0: Key ora to our listeners in New Zealand. Thank you for checking out our little slice of fun here at the Vault of Silliness. Keep liking, subscribing, and sharing. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. For as little as a dollar a month, you can subscribe through Patreon. You'll find the link below. You're welcome to offer more as well. It will help offset the cost of distribution, my time and efforts, and help the Norm Nathan Scholarship Fund at the Berklee College of Music here in Boston. And to lure you in, I recently made my first subscriber-only post. Woo. Okay, with that business out of the way, I give you episode 121. It's a Norm Nathan show, the majority of which is from January 8th and maybe the 9th of 1994. According to the notes on the cassette, there's a taste of December 4th, 1993. Because of that, this cassette was all over the place. 1993, in the middle of the 94 dates... Real crazy man, cuckoo. I've pieced it together chronologically as best I could. It appears that December show was the one affected by all the technical issues that Norm briefly discussed in a previous episode. Today's chosen title will be a slushy, great adventure of a show. We begin with December fourth, nineteen ninety-three. The Night of Technical Difficulties with a Jack Hart traffic report that has a section of said trouble and you can hear the smile in Jack's voice as he soldiers on. Daryl Gould with an intro to another report from Jack. then Jack and Norm lament the cancellation of the dumb birthday game because of all the problems and glitches. And Jack makes a statement that I'm still trying to figure out. There's Scott, a Bentley College student. He and Norm talk about working overnights and how to sleep during the day. Another Scott, this time from Wayland. He was on a previous dumb birthday game, episode 114, but had to leave because he got pulled over by police. He gives us the rest of the story. Plus, he asks about Larry Glick, Emperor Hudson, and Ron Landry. Some old station call letters are bandied about, too. W-I-T-S... The ITS, by the way, stood for Info, Talk, and Sports. WMEX, WMRE, and WSSH. Let's now time shift to January 8, 1994. The stars must have been aligned because Elvis Presley, who was appearing on top of the dumpster at the Tedeskis in Weymouth, his main reason for calling was to request Norm sing Happy Birthday to him. Norma from the North End The old Howard Theater, candy hawkers selling naughty stuff with double entendres and cats and dogs round out her call. Chris in Pennsylvania, Jason Robards is sexy and Norm looks just like him. She kindly inquires of the whereabouts of I. Norm gives her the lowdown and reveals just some of the things we do together off the air. And more cat talk with added raccoon fun. The next caller had some jazz questions about the Nat King Cole Trio, but the call is cut short. Now let's hear from the lovely Helene from Belmont. They talk snow, sleet, windshield wiper issues, and great adventures. Joan talking Mac Davis, Elvis, and more. A great call with our good friend Rick from Pennsylvania, with more on Mac Davis, the TV production of Gypsy, and Tip O'Neill. His call is interrupted by Lou Ambrosino with an icy traffic report, but we do get back to him. We move on to Vivian, whom Norm left momentarily speechless. Bob reads Boston Shade of Green in a passage from The Seagull for Tip O'Neill. Fred from New Jersey and his crazy cats, Ritzy and Tiger. We also learn that Fred enjoys telephones and has multiple lines at his house. Other schlunk. Norm has learned special skills from his time in the Orient. Profound statements that make you want to throw up. Peals of laughter. Engineers climbing all over the transmitter. Vitality. Norm sings his high school fight song. Years passing under the bridge. Looking your age. Historic romances. Spending the night with Helene and Norm bringing his jammies. Writing <gasps> Phoebe Snow. Ringing phones. As for commercial content, we get the first sentence of a few sponsors to just whet our appetite. Episode 121. A slushy great adventure of a show slides to your ears now as you approach the south uh,
1: the prudential tunnel they'll be there for the next several hours outside <laughs> of the
2: city routes 128
1: 495 and really the mass tired. bike doing well i'm jack hart wbz 24-hour traffic network and we go to WBZ's Jackpot. Well thank you, Darrell. We are still dealing with work crews inside the Sumner and Callahan tunnels. One lane in each remain shut down just for some uh some minor uh Light maintenance watch out there on the Mass Pike heading westbound just before the Prudential Tunnel. More work crews to deal with. 128, 495 on the Mass Pike doing well. Do remember that a little bit later on today, we will see plenty of people heading towards the Prudential area to uh, witness the Christmas tree lighting. That will be at 530, but roadways will be affected in around the Prudential building between uh, just about 4 o'clock and 7 p.m. I'm Jack Hart. Again, as you well
3: know, because you were an integral part of all of that yes indeed and, and tony nesbitt was uh, would have uh, been playing the game and it would have been a whole lot of fun uh-huh but we uh, seem to have had some technical problems today. i see uh, our computer was down. I, 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 I won't go through the details. It's too ugly. Uh-huh. And there may be some children listening. <laughs> but uh, but that was the reason we eliminated. I don't today. know how I'm going to get through the week. Well, a lot of people usually get their fix on the dumb birthday game, and they probably we won't have a good time of it either. It's like coffee in the morning. You don't, you don't really spring to
1: life until you've had that cup of coffee. And so it is uh, with the birthday game. Yeah. You don't
3: really spring to life for the week without the birthday game it's kind of an empty dry kind of something missing kind mm-hmm. of feeling you have in your to the depths of your soul absolutely i know it i don't know it's it 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 hasn't it hasn't been easy for me either uh-huh or the lovely Marilyn garalik who sits right here and loves to, to keep score and everything yes
1: indeed and you know speaking of the birthday game norm i i've got a suggestion for you I was watching a uh, a program uh, in the past several days, uh, some cuts of laugh from Laugh-In, from uh, the the old show, and uh, there were some shots on there of uh, Jack Benny. And, you know, I think
3: that you should do a one-man show. (laughs) as jack benny as jack benny <laughs> i did see those same thing you were watching i thought i thought laughing holds up very very well today i thought those that the the excerpts i've seen and they had a big anniversary or some kind of a special a thing long a, back. A, a past christmas present yeah i yeah. thought i thought it, i thought they were very very funny and oh, beautifully absolutely. done yeah and lovely that. up. and i you know i did see a jack benny there, you know, playing his violin uh-huh. and, and all that. Uh-huh. I no, I, th- I thought, I, th- I thought the whole thing was, and I'd forgotten how many great people were on that. Mm-hmm. Artie, what's his name? Artie, Artie Johnson, a very funny guy. Oh, still is today. You know, he still is. You see, today. You know, you know, you know. You, know, you see, uh-huh. you know. I thought it was. But it's it's amazing how you know the stuff that was real good that you remember as being really good is a profound statement that'll make you scratch your stomach and want to want to throw up. It's so uh-huh. so obvious. Uh, but the stuff that you remember as being really good still is is really very good. It is it is. In fact, I think laughing even looks funnier now, maybe because a lot of. Funny things are not so terribly funny anymore.
1: Ah, uh, you might be right. That was, uh, you know, of course, I saw it when I was, uh, but, a, but a youngster knee high to a grasshopper, and didn't understand most of the jokes at the time. So now I can, I can scream with peals of laughter
3: uh, <laughs> anew. Oh, that is the most pompous <laughs> speech, and now I can scream with peals of laughter anew. Oh my! <laughs> Hey, but anyway, I did want to talk to you, despite the fact that we did postpone or or cancel the dumb birthday game because of inclement weather. I see. <laughs> or whatever the reason was, because of inclement equipment and a whole bunch of uh, technical people who are climbing all over our transmitter. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I I shouldn't bring that up because nobody will know quite what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. especially the engineers who are climbing all over our equipment. <laughs> Anyway, nice to talk <laughs> with you. I'm sorry that we're going to miss it. We'll we'll have to play it next week. Indeed. However, later, late, come closer. I don't mm-hmm. want everybody to hear this. Yes. I are not get too excited. But later this month, mm-hmm. I think the week before Christmas or maybe the week of Christmas or somewhere, uh, I'll be sitting in for Bob barbara again the entire week. And ah. So we'll have, we'll have fun. We'll be able to do the dumb birthday game a whole lot of days. Well, you know, I will need to save up you
1: know, once we do, if we play a week's worth of birthday games, I will need to save that energy for, for a time such as this, you know, that, that I could, uh, if I had known enough to save it during the Thanksgiving week, I could just pull that energy and that that vitalization out of my pocket now and be saved.
3: Huh? I don't know what, I don't know what it is you just, I heard somebody call the last week and somebody there's some, some guy calls who talks just like you does I see <laughs> I think during the reign of uh, of uh, president George Washington he who asked and he goes on and on like this never gets to the point and you don't know what the hell he's talking about and he probably figures he's a great orator I'm not comparing you with him because you make sense <laughs> said, sure uh-huh, what would you say sure <laughs> okay anyway I hope you have a great weekend and what we'll you talk do. you we'll talk to you very soon and we'll look forward to that week Mm-hmm. when you and I and we can be reunited again with the yeah. uh, with the games and all that kind of stuff yes indeed okay meanwhile I'll get back to your room and just be quiet okay
4: being up all night
3: well at first it was kind of tough I, I did an all-night uh, jazz show way back in the uh, 50s and 60s and at first it was kind of tough because I had been up all night like that except you know I was I was, I was young then and as a kid you stay up during new year's eve you know you because you you say you can't tell your friends you went to bed at twelve fifteen a.m on new year's eve so you stay up and and all that so that's the only time i ever did but then when i had to start working all night it was tough it took probably eight or nine months and i was working six days a week before i really got used to staying up late at night uh to the point where three o'clock in the morning was as comfortable for me as three o'clock in the afternoon would be for most other people who work days. So I'm kind of used to that now, and I have worked nights mostly. But uh, now it's a problem for me to stay awake at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's when I really get tired. As long as you can sleep, uh, the problem is not so much staying up at night, the problem is being able to sleep during the daytime. Do you have a problem with that?
4: Well, I well, like I said, now I've changed to having to get up uh, early in the morning. But uh, the, the dilemma that I faced was whether or not I was going to stay up when I left work at uh, you know four or five in the morning until say noon, and then sleep until I went into work, or sleep right when I got <laughs> out. Of work, I know, I know. Or get up at noon and try and deal with the day. It was, it was. It's you know it is it's, tough it's, I know it I especially know. during the summertime it was it was it was um, something where you know I would see oh I get home and I watch like CNN oh it's going to be a great day it's going to be like eighty five degrees and I would say oh I want to stay up and then you know sometimes I'd stay up until I have to go back into work again and next thing you know I'd be You'd be you know, pretty tired on the job exactly and
3: also what do you do on your day off do you sleep during the uh, daytime then or do you you know, I will fall back into the uh, your, your old life by sleeping during the night, and then you have to th- then you throw everything off. So you have to get back into the routine again when you go back to work. Uh, I don't know. You, you have to kind of resolve that. What I what I do when I'm working any great length of time probably is is to sleep during the day when I get home for a little bit and then get up during the midday and then take a nap before i come back in again you can so do, you split split split, sort of split it up yeah
4: yeah um uh, it's interesting um because a, a large uh, percentage of people actually do work the night shift i mean we're talking like uh, maybe 30 or 40 percent huh? oh
3: there, there, there are more people yeah the more people who work at night than most people think Pe- there are a lot of a lot of people think why they go to bed after the eleven o'clock news or something like that, and that the whole world does that. But that's that's not true. There are a lot of people who stay up night. Exactly. No. exactly. And a so, lot of a lot of kids in school, like you, stay up very late. They may not stay up all night, but they stay up late because they never go to they never sleep at night. <laughs> you know, they're either working or or they're young and they have a lot of vitality and they you know and, and stay up quite late. So there are a lot of people who are up at various times during the night um you really have you have to do it for a while and get into some kind of a habit mostly the again mostly the problem is can you sleep during the daytime hours a lot of people find that tough and it takes them a while to get used to that but if you get enough sleep during the daytime it's a it's a sense staying up at
4: night Because you're
3: all rested by that point.
4: So you don't have any problems, like, splitting up your sleep, like, between, you know, early morning and late afternoon?
3: No, no, working nights has become very natural for me.
4: You can tell by, do you hear the vitality in my
3: voice? (laughs) Just here, I'm just kind of bubbling along. I'm just feeling just so good. And here it is, you know, 13 minutes before four. Most people who'd been up all this time would, you know, would be just about dead on their feet. But not you. You're, you sound pretty much alive and awake too.
4: Well, uh, um, you know, I like I said, uh, uh, up until about September, I was up until uh, you know five or six in the morning. And just recently, I've had to try and adjust, and I've done that fairly well. But but at any time, I I, I can stay up, uh, especially later, uh, especially when I'm uh, waiting to hear you come on the radio. <laughs> Wow, what a nice, what a nice thing to
3: say. It's whatever you, whatever you can, your body gets adjusted to. You can, I mean, I suppose there are some people, and they, if they work the night shift for a thousand years, could still never get used to sleeping during the day, and that's kind of rough.
4: Also, another thing that I hear uh, on CNN is uh, those people who do um, work at night, they they don't sleep as well during the day. And I don't
3: think they sleep as much. I think that's true. I th- I think you if you sleep at night, I think you probably get more sleep, you know, more hours of sleep than you do during the daytime. That That's true. Except you're coming into the, the, the uh, winter months, you know, and the weather is cold and kind of rough, and there's a lot of darkness now. So I think it's easier to work the night shift now than it would be during the summer, where, the well, you know, you, you kind of feel guilty about sleeping because you feel everybody's out doing something, the weather is beautiful, you might be at the beach and here you are wasting time sleeping i think psychologically it's it makes it a little tough
4: oh I, I, you're absolutely right and as a matter of fact to to further that point uh there is a there's a sleeping disorder that occurs to to some people during the winter time uh, because there's less sunlight people have trouble staying awake um and mm. because of uh the, the seasonal change uh during the winter they there's a certain sleeping disorder that occurs because there's
3: less sunlight. Oh, that's probably true too. But but be glad you don't live in Barrow, uh, Canada, <laughs> <Okay>. Alaska, <laughs> to where where I don't know. Right now they come into the time of year when it it'll be. I don't know how close we are to that time of year, but they have darkness for like for three months. <laughs> I mean, no light at all. And I'm, I'm, they tell me I, I've talked with some people up in Darrow. We put we we've been on the air with them uh, during the summertime. It's a total daylight for, like, for three months. They don't have any darkness at all. And I asked them which was worse, and they claim that the uh, three months of daylight is worse than the three months of darkness. Huh. I don't know why that is, but uh, I know during the daylight you can, you know, block out the sun at night with curtains and stuff and make it lighter. I don't know. Maybe they drink more at night. Maybe it's... (laughs) Maybe that's why the not, the, the, that, that time of the year seems a little better. I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure.
4: But well, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm a first-time caller. Well,
3: I'm, I'm glad you did call. Are, are your folks still up in Maine?
4: Uh, they are. Uh, so they,
3: you're, 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 you're at a dorm now, then. You're kind of living away from home.
4: No, well, I lived on campus for the first three years. I'm a senior now. Uh, I'm, I'm about to enter that world of having to work for a living.
5: <laughs> and I, I'm,
4: I'm regretting it, but <laughs> uh, but um, uh, I live off. I, I decided for my last year I wanted to really focus on you know doing as well as I could and preparing myself for uh, working. So I decided to live off campus, and that's I'm, that's why I'm living in Dedham now.
3: Anyway. You sound like a nice guy. I, I, I'll bet you do. I bet you're so fantastic, successful you probably be the chief executive order uh, officer of all Westinghouse property, including WBZ, <laughs> uh, within weeks. Well, I, <laughs> of your graduation.
4: Well, I really hope that happens. Uh, I'm a little worried about that now, considering the economic conditions of uh, of this area. Uh, I, I Actually, actually, I was planning on moving to uh, like the southeast because uh, um, it's uh, more prosperous economically. Uh, Massachusetts is kind of bumming me out. I've heard through the entire time I've gone through school, it's going to be tough to find a job. you got to start interviewing early. I'm, going to, I'm kind of getting tired of that. It can't be like that everywhere. So I'm, I'm considering moving to to another area of the country.
3: Well, I hope you find a job where whatever area you want, particularly this area. But it is true. I, I don't envy anybody who's just getting out of school now or will be getting out of school. It is a tough time to be to be graduating. But you sound pretty sharp and you've had if you've been at Bentley, you've you've had a pretty good education, so I think you'll do okay. Will you keep in touch and let me know? Cause I'll be your adopted dad while you're down here. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Scott. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care.
6: Ten
2: anyway, well, I was nervous because I I thought I, I'm not sure, but I thought it was illegal to like talk on a hand phone while you're in. The, I'm not sure, but anyway. I wanted to look as professional as possible, and I didn't get a ticket, so I guess it. Might.
3: Oh, you did. Did they give you a warning or anything? No,
2: not just verbal.
3: Just no. verbal. They said, "Hey, hey." No,
2: you know what happened? My hey. my one of my headlights was out, and I had no idea.
3: Oh, that's why they stopped and you. And they
2: stopped me, and he and he told me my uh, he was probably checking my sobriety or something, but but uh, he, he sent me right on my way. No,
3: it was nice. Oh, that's that's really good. Okay, and what you have to send it? You have to send a card into the registry or to the police or no, something, no. saying you had it repaired.
2: No, not at all. He just said you ought to get that. Uh, you better to get that taken care of, and I did.
3: Okay, no, nice. I still think you should have. I know. I know it was kind of t- a tough decision to make when you see those lights flashing in back of you. Ah. I turn. I, I turn into water.
2: You get the adrenaline. Oh yeah.
3: God, I get. You know, I really. As a matter of fact, if I'm going by a state cruiser and I'm going under the speed limit even, I start reaching for the brake, don't you <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: act straight just automatically
3: the, the mind says, reach know, for the brake. you know I don't know
2: why I don't know why we have that reaction
3: no but autom- automatically you do there's something frightening about that
2: so it Game was tonight.
3: Yeah, we had we had problems with the equipment and stuff, and uh, it just seemed like it would be an awful problem to do. Yeah, but like, we'll have it back on tomorrow anyway, and it'll be just so wonderful.
2: People all over Massachusetts are probably scratching their heads and scratching their bellies and... Reaching for the gold bond powder. <laughs>
3: That's right, and they're probably saying, I don't know, there's something empty about this night. Yeah. What is there missing from this night? I hey, don't know.
2: No, Norm, I had a, que- a couple of questions here. I don't know if you can help me. Um,
3: I'm going to try.
2: I was wondering about a couple of broadcasters that I used to listen to when I was a kid, and, and I was wondering if you knew whatever happened to them. Can I try it? Yeah, by all means. Larry Glick.
3: Larry Glick, of course, was here, and he was over at uh, WHDH in his later years. And he is pretty much retired from broadcasting, but okay. he still, he still uh, does his hypnotism stuff, and uh, he, he's, uh, he uses that to help people to stop smoking and okay. works with his wife and her shop and all that kind of I stuff. I was looking
2: through uh, some uh, collection of things that you know, I've accumulated over the years, and I found a Lick University T-shirt and uh, one of his record albums
5: oh, yeah. that,
2: that I yeah. saw. And okay. the, the other one I was wondering about was uh, Emperor Hudson.
3: Oh, boy, that goes back a bit. Now, I don't know where he is. Emperor Hudson was on, was not on this. I
2: don't know what station he was on. No, he was on
3: WMEX, I believe, at one time.
2: I bought like four of his record albums, Hudson and Landry, and they were very funny.
3: Oh, yeah, it wasn't M-E-X. They called it something else at the time.
2: W, was it ITS. ITS that's
3: right. Was it right. ITS? ITS, Information, Talk, talk and, sport. and Sports, that's right. And he was, that's right. He and Ron, Ron Landry? Ron Landry, yeah. Yeah, he must be in some of those albums, isn't he, that you have? Yeah,
2: they're, they're all Hudson and Landry, they're Hudson, and
3: Hudson and Landry. I
2: have four of them. Yeah,
3: now, he went He went back to California, the last I'd heard, but I don't know whether he's still on the air out there or not.
2: He was I, very funny.
3: Yeah, he, he, uh, he attracted a... A good audience at a station that did not have much of an audience. No,
2: it didn't, did it? No, but... but, Did that become Emmy... Well, that was MEX.
3: That had been MEX. It became that, then it became... MEX again. Yeah, in between there was WMRE, the memory station, where they played uh, older songs from the 30s and 40s. Then it went back to MEX, and now it's... I think it's WSSH, Wish, AM.
2: I'm not sure. Yeah, they
3: just... uh, simulcast the same program that okay. the wish so
2: is retired
3: from broadcasting yes from i'm broadcast. sure he'll never retire from life in general but from <laughs> broadcasting yes
2: well thank you for taking my call
3: i'm delighted that and you I- hung on there and i'm glad that everything worked out because yeah. we we're wondering what happened after the police stopped i want ju-
2: i also want to mention to you and hearing your previous conversation i am in the same habit as you are i sleep till about 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock and then i'll take a nap in the afternoon.
7: Hey, cool, cool did, man. Did you sing? Did you sing "Happy Birthday" to me, Norm?
3: I could. I you could. Know, it
7: was my birthday yesterday.
3: I know it. I know it was. I know it was. You were uh, uh I don't oh, know, fifty-nine.
7: Fifty-nine. That's Come right. on, get your numbers right, there, boy.
3: That's right. Fifty. That's right. Fifty-nine years old. Hold it, hold
7: it. Silly, give me a gun. I won't shoot this TV. <laughs> yeah. Man, I didn't like that guy on TV. I think it was Dave man or something. You know. Yeah. I you not know.
3: <laughs> I'm doing okay, Elvis. Did you have a good birthday?
7: I had a good birthday. yeah. yeah hunka bird in love. Still, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. I I've mean, been locked up in this box for like a whole lot of years. You know, I finally get out and, and just hanging out now. You
3: know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I just wondered. You know, what does a what does a dead guy do to to blow out his candles? He still hey,
7: able to do that? Yeah, man, I can do anything. You know, because I'm Elvis.
3: You know? That's right, too. Even dead, you probably have more life to you than most live people. You
7: know, baby, you know, You know. remember I got a on, on Ed Sullivan, you know what I'm saying?
3: Oh, I know. You used to wiggle a lot. Yeah, man, I wiggled it just a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Well, you, well yeah. yeah, that's right. It's kind of funny. Everybody thought that was so obscene that they didn't show pictures of you below the waist. I couldn't believe it. You know what I'm well, saying? I know it. And now, now, boy, now when you watch television, yeah. it's, you already set the pace, big guy.
7: Yeah, man, I did. You know I'm looking at a pretty girl right now. She don't even know it. You know what I'm saying?
3: You're looking at a pretty girl. Yeah,
7: pretty girl. She's blonde. She's standing in a store. You know what I'm saying? She don't even know I'm looking at her, but she's pretty, you know what I'm saying? I should sing Can't Help in Love with you or something to her, you know when, what I'm
3: saying? Now where, now, where are you right now? Because people say you show up a lot of places. Yo, know, man, I'm
7: hanging out at Tedeschi's in Weymouth right now. You huh? know, I just got done doing my gig, you know what I'm saying? And I just came into Tedeschi's, man, and I, I'm hanging out here.
3: You're still doing gigs then?
7: Yeah, man, yeah. I played Las Vegas the other night, but nobody knew it. I went as Don hole.
3: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're doing, you did... You did Tiny Bubbles. Yeah, Tiny Bubbles, yeah. Tiny Bubbles. And now and now at Tedeschi's in, uh, in Woburn, is and it? Wait a minute, Wait a minute, I'm sorry, wait a minute. Yeah, man, you minute. Sound like you did. Okay, now... program. Is anybody pointing at you and chasing you or anything? Or they, no, you know, no,
7: they're t- dancing now. They're dancing. They got my music turned up, you know?
3: And they're dancing around
7: Tedeschi's?
3: Yeah. Right in the where? In the frozen fish uh, yeah. section yeah, or something? Yeah, oh, they are
7: frozen fish, you know what I'm saying? Oh, she waved to me. The pretty girl waved to me. I guess they're listening, you know what I'm
3: saying? <laughs> oh, well, the pretty girl waved to you. Yeah. What, is she one of the workers in Tedeschi's?
7: No, she isn't. She isn't one of the workers. She must have been one of the customers.
3: I say, Is she buying anything really exotic, like uh, frozen uh, chicken pot pie or something?
7: Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. You know? No, I buy, never mind. I'm not going to say what she's buying. I won't, I won't talk about that.
3: Okay, you don't want to call her over. And she can talk to us too.
7: No, um, she just left. She just put in a car and took off. She must have saw it was Elvis and thought she was having a nightmare or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
3: I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, Elvis. I know what you're now, saying. I want to ask
7: you a question, then, Norm. Sure. Now, let me ask you a little question here, okay?
3: okay. You know, I, you're being a popular no. DJ like you are, you know? I know, I'm
7: a terribly popular DJ. Yeah, not, but I know you don't play the tunes, you know what I'm saying? No, no,
3: I'm the only disc actor who doesn't play records.
7: Yeah, well, i want to ask you a question there, bro. Okay. Uh, do you think that the music of today is like influencing the children? What do you think
3: now? Come oh, on. I mean, me. mean, like rap songs. Like, yeah. if you were if you were making records today, all this, and since you you see you sound so alive, I can't imagine why you... You're not making records right. today. Would you be doing rap songs today? I don't know. I don't know, brother. I don't know. I couldn't sing
7: that well anyway. I was just a hunk of, of burning it up. You know, I started a lot when I sang. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, I was just wondering how you would sound doing rap.
7: I don't know. I said a hip hop. A hip, hip hop, and you don't stop. I'm Elvis. Yeah. And I'm on the top. Maybe that would be it. You know yeah. what I'm
3: saying? What now? What do you? Yeah, I know what you, What do you? What do you think about today's music, Elvis? Well, I
7: think I think that uh, you know I, I you know I, I, I DJ on the side too. You know what I'm saying? So people don't know it's me, Elvis. You know? Yeah. And I go out and I DJ these parties and stuff. You know what I'm saying?
3: I know what you're saying. Yeah.
7: Because yeah. I'm a king. You
3: know? You are the king. Yeah. That's that's
7: so, I am so right. I the kids' reactions. You know, well, they want that Snoop Doggy Dog and the gangster rap and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're all crashing things and crashing things. And, Banging their heads and stuff, man. I think the music's influencing them. You know what I'm saying? Man? Yeah. Yeah. So
3: you, I want to do it from you. From so you, could, well, you, you, because you, you work among the kids. Yeah, man. I'll right? do that. You know? know, and you, you have a background in music, even though these kids obviously don't know who you are because you go in disguise. That's right. Uh, That's so, right so, so, else, you, they don't so know that. you, know that. Yeah. So you would have a better idea about that, and you feel that the music is influencing these kids badly and in a bad kind of way.
7: That's what I think. You know, I do a lot about business. You know what I'm saying?
3: And the bar mitzvah kids are not like they used to but be. I just,
7: I just did one tonight, you know. I won't say where, because people might know that Elvis was there, you know what I'm saying?
3: I know what you're saying, but yeah.
7: But they are, uh, they, uh, you know, they, they want to hear that that gangster rap stuff, and then they trash everything, you know? Like you pass out maracas for them to do the conga, they throw them on the ground, they stomp on them and everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They never did that when I passed my scarves out, you know what I mean?
3: What do they do? Do they, they throw chopped li- that chopped liver stuff all over the place and yeah, everything? Yeah, well, they do that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as, because they, they get all worked up, they, they just go nuts. Yeah, dudes like the girls they, used to go nuts, but I gave them scarves, you know what I mean? They were sweaty and stuff, but they loved them, you know? Yeah, they throw the yarmulkes all over the, the place. Yeah, well, they
7: don't even wear the yarmulkes no more.
3: Oh, they really have gone to hell. Yeah,
7: they're going down, you know?
3: Oh, yeah.
7: Yeah, man, I don't know what to do. But anyway, I want you to sing a little happy birthday. I know it's the ninth, and yesterday was the 8th, but I want you to sing me a little happy birthday. I want to hear from you, Norm. Okay. You personally. I want no singing chorus. I, think I want to hear you sing. I want to hear those those golden pipes of yours. Go for okay. it. Go okay,
3: okay, okay. Uh, any special way you want me to sing? You want me to sing? I, want,
7: sing I want you to sing it like I would have sung it. Oh,
3: well, well, I can't do that. No, only you could have
7: sung it that no, way. No, come on. Give it a try. Come on.
3: Okay. <clears throat> happy birthday to you you wouldn't have sung it quite no, that I went, uh, <laughs> no i guess you would know for birthday. Yeah. Try Try H- happy happy birthday to you you know what i'm saying yeah. happy birthday dear elvis yeah, oh yes happy birthday you know what i'm saying happy birthday to
7: you and yeah, then you're gonna say hey silly, give me a gun so i can shoot those candles out
3: Oh yeah, that we do that. You gonna shoot the candles? Yeah, out?
7: Man, I don't blow them out. I gonna shoot them out. Oh,
3: no, you were never a violent guy. You wouldn't do that. No, I you... used to
7: shoot. I used to shoot TVs. You know.
3: I suppose you can't. Again, you probably have trouble blowing the candles out since you're dead.
7: Well, you know, you know am saying like, I got a lot of air. You know, like it's like the skeleton. You know, and the air flows right through the lungs. You know,
3: <laughs> I go right out the old mouth. You know. I know what you're saying. yeah. yeah, man, yeah. Man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What well, because I, I, I know what you're saying, too. Yeah, okay. Well, what we know what we're saying? Well, we're saying it. We're saying it all right, you know? We're saying that we're finally saying stuff that really needs to be said.
7: You got it. You got it. And I hope everybody across America is listening and understanding what we're saying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
3: they probably are. All
7: right. Well, listen, man. I'm, I'm out of here. Elvis is leaving the building. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. Okay. Hey, you kids, Tedesco's. Oh, is it Tedeschi? Tedeschi, wait a
7: minute, now, come on, Tedesky old way well, he said Tedeschi's mine. We okay. got a guy in here, he's waving out there now, man. Okay,
3: Tedeschi in, in Weymouth, yeah. so that's, that's, that's where the crowds are going to gather. They, they all be
7: here, yeah, we're going to do a concert, you know what I'm
3: saying? Right in front, of, right in, in the store?
7: So I'm going to stand on top of the trash barrel out here.
3: <laughs> okay. You know
7: what I'm saying? I'll have everybody put their car lights on my, on my, my skeleton, you know? You know what I'm saying? I'll pass out scars.
3: Okay, that'd be good. Yeah,
7: because yeah. they could need it because it's, it's cold. It's winter time.
3: Oh, it is cold. Yeah, you must you must be dressed up very warmly well, then. No, well,
7: not really. I don't need it. You know what I'm saying?
3: Oh, that's right, because you're dead. I can't yeah, forget right. it. Not, Come on, uh, give
7: me the program then. Okay. All right, now, he was in Liz Elvis, and I'm leaving the building, all right?
3: Okay, and happy birthday again, thank uh, Elvis. Thank you very much. Take, Take care. You. Bye-bye. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, huh? How many programs can claim Elvis Presley called them, eh? Let me see. Who else will we talk to? Let me see. Anything will be anticlimactic after that. Uh, We'll go to... Oh, here's something not anticlimactic. Why, it's Norma in the North End.
8: Good Morning, Norm.
3: Good morning, Norma in the North End.
8: I think it's so nice of Elvis to take time out for as many gigs to call you.
3: I would think so, yeah. Oh, gosh. Don't get calls from too many dead people.
8: (laughs) He was really something.
3: He sounded a lot like him, too. It was kind of scary there for a while.
8: You were good sport too to sing Happy Birthday
3: to him. Yeah, especially since <laughs> yeah, especially the way I sing. But uh, yeah, he's a, he's a he's an interesting guy. He works as a disc jockey at uh, various functions and he's stuff. Funny. And he's he's funny. He's never <laughs> done that before. What's doing with you there, Miss Lady?
8: Well, uh, you were asking about uh, the uh, theater that they mentioned in that movie, and it was the old Howard.
3: Oh, that In they the oh they mentioned oh, oh and Gypsy yeah, oh with, uh, yeah. Bette I never even thought about it being a burlesque. Of course it would be.
8: Yeah. The yeah. Old Howard. I mean
3: yeah, that's right. The old Howard. Sure and, I've been. Uh, I've I... been there. I saw
8: Gypsy there. I saw Lily Saint Cyr and Corio and Sally Rand there.
3: Oh, you saw the great fun. Tr- I saw. Yeah. I saw Lily Saint Cyr there among oh, others she also. Was she was fantastic. Yeah, she, she was. She fantastic. had. She had. She was a stripper who actually got dressed on stage she oh, she looked really good you remember that her act was just the opposite she'd come out uh with the G-string and the pasties which is the way most strippers ended up there yeah, right yeah. and then and then she would she would take a bath she would be in a bath and then would get dressed
8: i think if i remember right didn't she have a parrot or something in her act also
3: I'm, I don't remember that. I don't. That could be. I and, forgot. Uh, I but she cou- was a beautiful woman, and it was it was so sexy watching her get dressed, which sounds kind of silly because normally it's just the other way around.
8: The colors around here were like blue, uh, like um, purple and red, and like dark red and light red and rose colored. Those pretty and, colors. And, yeah, that
3: could be. Now, who did you go to the uh, old Howard with? Actually. With other women? Or well, by... you
8: knew I was married twice. And actually, two weeks before each, each wedding, I went with my... Uh, Your husband-to-be? My maid of honor, and oh. my best man, and my husband-to-be. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay.
3: This was kind of to celebrate the upcoming
8: wedding? Well, more or less, just to go, you know, for the heck of it.
3: I know. And it's kind of funny, as I think back on the old Howard days, We we thought we were... Just so terribly naughty. Oh, oh we naughty. And to it, it, was, it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at now it would and people would sit there yawning, saying, When, is, when are we going to get to the dirty part? And we, we thought it was that was the
4: dirty part.
8: <laughs> remember when they would tell you they had these little bags, and they would tell you in one of these bags there was a, a watch, and you would you'd pay. I think it was fifty
9: cents for the bag. That's how they sell these little bag of candy. Oh,
3: they had yeah. They had a little grab.
9: Yeah, a, group, a group
3: a group of things they had a wallet
9: with or without a dollar bill
7: yeah and some of them and they would have
3: a set of dice you hold these dice up to you'll see a couple in the when you hold them up to the light and and they're not playing pinochle, let me tell you, and uh, you know in Hershey's bars with or without the almonds and uh, magazines. That the, we could not sell, but nobody says we cannot give them away. These were the candy hawkers <laughs> who had come between eggs, and they were they were funny. There was a movie that uh, that uh, I believe featured that among others was. It was what was the movie? It was called the night they closed Minsky's, which was a you know legit movie. I I don't yeah, remember I who was, was in that.
8: I, think I, f- the I forgot
3: the guy who was married to, to Lauren Bacall after Humphrey Bogart. Isn't that an awful way to remember him? Because he's done Jake? a million movies. Oh, it
8: wasn't what? Jason
3: Robards, was it? Yes, Jason Robards. Jason Robards. Jason Robards. Jason yeah. was, I believe, was in that movie. Plus, I remember coming across a an LP, a long playing disc, for people who think that compact discs started it <laughs> all. And uh, and they had a burlesque. It was an album on burlesque, and and one big cut on it was the candy hawker the guy who was doing just what I was yeah. doing there with that kind yeah. of business because that that's really an American classic That really? <laughs> was so hokey and awful it was kind of funny and I remember one of the candy hawkers was a kid who graduated high school with me and this wasn't long after high school you must we both probably were on 19 or 20 and he's up there and I thought there he is up on the stage Selling all this dirty stuff. Whatever happened to this man? <laughs> and here I am in the audience listening to it. So whatever happened to me? And all those were just funny days. And
8: what, one of the uh, one of the classic things that they used to say. There was always a girl that said, "Meet you around the corner in yeah. half an hour." That's
3: right. Meet you around. And then
8: the they cor- do the bump, you know. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's right. And uh, and so I uh, yeah. There were there, there were yeah, there were a number of other other things. There was a uh, let me see. Uh, so i um uh, I threw my chilele up to the queen's box, and everybody would gasp at that one this was, this was the this was the famous bullfight scene and, uh, and uh, everything was going kind to of double entendre kind of stuff they never they never used a dirty word or nasty word or obscene you know, word at and all and
8: when you think about it, it was innocent compared to today
3: oh oh it was yeah that's right it really was it was terribly Very innocent much so. I
8: wanted to talk to, about that uh, man, the cat.
3: Okay, so. can you hold on, and we'll do that after the news, would you mind?
8: No, I
3: don't mind. You're a lovely person. I'll tell you what, I'll meet you on the station right, right after the news, round the corner. Lou Ambrosino, I believe is the way it's pronounced. The WBC 24-hour traffic network is proud to introduce Lou. Oh, I know. And uh, if you do well, the job could be yours, but I can't, I, you know, I can't promise. No guarantees. No, there are no guarantees okay. in this business. We're looking over a whole bunch of you guys. Just a one report contract, I take it, right? Well, well no, If you I'm,
10: like this one, oh, I get to do the one at one thirty.
3: Uh, that well, we're gonna <laughs> I, we we might do that if we if we don't uh, we don't hear enough of you to make a, a, a really intelligent judgment. We'll have you do another one at one thirty, maybe at two, and maybe just keep going right through the night and then come to some kind of a decision sometime on what am i talking about i don't know, I don't know what i'm saying you oh, probably you probably got about eight million cars holding up traffic and backed up for miles and i'm i'm sitting here just running off at the mouth and wasting time shame on me
10: oh well normally norm it uh, usually lightens out about this time but uh, not the case we uh, got more problems out there First off, uh, the WBZ Cell 1 phone force reporting a water main break along Route 2 eastbound at the Pleasant uh, Street Park Avenue exit in Arlington.
3: Oh, that sounds awful, doesn't it? Yeah. Forget that. Forget I mentioned that. Okay, tell me about the cats.
8: Well, just to let let you know, like a preface, what my cat was like. It was very, very, very agile, very, very frisky, very, very uh, loving. He used to run down the hall half past six in the morning with my dog, and they would jump on my husband, and the dog would lick my husband's face while the cat purred in his ear to let him know it's breakfast time. This is the kind of a cat I had. And he would, uh, you know, if you're sleeping, he would get in the back of the crook of your, your leg in the back and sleep with you, and he'd get on you if you were sitting there watching TV, come up and cuddle in your lap. Then all of a sudden, he just stopped. You couldn't get near him. If you went near me, he hissed at you and everything, just like this cat is doing, right? Mm. And one day, he got up, and he got on my lap. And I said, oh, my goodness, I said, the cat's back to normal again. On the, on the side of the cat, I noticed there was a hole, and he had been licking at it. And I took it to the hospital because, I mean, it was broken right through the fur. And I took him to the vet, and the vet said that uh, he had had an abscess. And this this doesn't mean that this man's cat's got an abscess. This is just what happened to my cat. Mm. And that uh, when the, when the abscess broke, the pain was gone, and the cat uh, the cat would take care of itself. He didn't have to, we didn't have to do anything for The cat took care of itself. Oh. But, uh, that's what happened. It could
3: be some kind of uh, some kind of ailment or something that's bothering the cat.
8: And uh, under the fur, you couldn't see it. Yeah. But when it broke course it broke away and it and it was licking it and taking care of it itself uh, so
3: well it might well that may very well be the answer to this other thing doesn't have film. to be but it's just could. it's a possibility
8: maybe because that cat was really we we let it out all the time and there was two german shepherds and they couldn't catch that cat we lived in a project at the time and the kids used to call my cat the fastest cat in the east <laughs> huh. you want to know how frisky he was how
3: frisky was he not the huh? lady
8: next door had two Siamese cats that she treasured. Okay, that she never let them out of the house. Those cats had kittens, and they were arm and striped with cross eyes. The Siamese cats had kittens by my cat. Oh my goodness! And some of the ladies said that you know, you know those uh, screens that you put on half the window.
2: Yeah.
8: And you can push them sideways. Yeah. They said that my cat was pushing the screen sideways and the two Taiwanese cats were pushing the too. They helped him get in. <laughs> uh, oh, oh they, were, they were, it's a devil I just shouldn't like laugh you. because she was devastated. She wanted the cats to have purebreds, you know. Yeah. She well, was she was really upset about it.
3: Well, we'll have to leave the story on that unhappy note.
8: Yeah.
3: And your vicious cat. Yeah. Impregnating. Well, going did, around she impregnating. She did,
8: she did bring me a note over, and <laughs> she said it was uh, a summons to court with a paternity suit. For my kids.
3: <laughs> hey, take care of yourself. Hope you. I a-
8: hope I hope that isn't the case, but I'm just telling you what happened to me. Okay. Okay.
3: Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, how about we go to Chris in Pennsylvania? Hello, Chris.
11: Hi, Norm.
3: Hi, Chris.
11: You were talking about Jason Robards.
3: Yes, I was talking about Jason. You're you eavesdropping again, you devil.
11: I know. You know, I think he is one of the most incredibly sexy men there are alive.
3: Do you? Because I think he's a superb actor. I never thought about the sexy part, but that's interesting to get your feeling about that.
11: Well, I've heard you look a lot like him, so, well, <laughs> you know what I mean, Norm.
3: Oh, I know I know what you mean. This is, must be why women just go crazy when I walk <laughs> in the room.
11: I have a question. Yes. Does Tony work for you anymore? I mean, don't get me wrong. The producer that I talked to was not only confident, but he sounded like he was a pretty good-looking guy. Oh, Sid Whitaker, yeah. That's up the producer, No.
3: Yeah, that's, that's really sucking up to him, I tell you. That's <laughs> really nice. Yeah, that's Sid Whitaker. Now, Tony works an earlier shift. He works 6 to midnight now oh. during the week, so he works mostly with uh, David Brednoy, but he, he still books a lot of the, of the guests that we have. Uh he uh, he books them for this program and I talk to Tony and very often he'll hang around and do the call in and do the dumb birthday game with us. So we're sort of still connected in that sense, but but I don't do the program with him anymore directly, no.
11: Well he's a nice guy.
3: Yes he is, though. Tony's a great guy, yeah. No, and we're we're friends. Uh off the air of course we, we go to the same nightclubs and date date the same chorus girls and everything.
11: <laughs> I have uh
3: they don't have chorus girls anymore, do they? That's a, that's a term that, that went out about 30 years ago.
11: Uh, not in uh, reputable establishment norms. they don't oh,
3: have: chorus Oh girls. okay, no, because there was, uh, you know, you the I mean. was you know the term chorus girl" was not what I mean. yeah, because the chorus girls itself was 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 a reputable term. They would be the dancers in shows and and very nice nightclubs and stuff, so there was nothing wrong about being a chorus girl, except they don't nobody has them anymore.
6: Right. Okay. Right.
3: I I don't know why I brought it up, Chris. I I, (laughs) I, I, I like what I do. What I do best is when you just, as you're getting to a point in a story that's really fascinating, I like to interrupt with something totally irrelevant and stupid and slowing down, that's slowing down the pace of everything. It's a, it's a habit I learned in the Orient.
11: In the Orient?
3: I made that up too. Nothing I say makes any sense. Don't try to analyze (laughs) it. Uh,
11: I had a thought about that gentleman with the cat. Okay. Um, And I don't think he's going to like this, but uh, he should make sure that that cat is up on its rabies shot because animals don't necessarily get aggressive when they get rabies. Uh, The whole demeanor of the animal changes. So if the animal was friendly to begin with, they can become fearful and uh, withdrawn. Mm. Uh, Just like with raccoons, Yes. Um, when you see one in the daytime, or it's walking down the street, or it looks really docile, probably the animal has rabies, and you don't go near it. Okay, because, another
3: you know, yeah, okay, another thing with with the with the raccoons because I had them come up my driveway. Not them, but one once did that during uh-huh. the daytime, very quiet. Uh, and this was before the whole rabies thing, and uh, this one did, this one happened to be a pet of somebody, mm-hmm. and and uh, and sometimes when they're a pet. Their habits change,
11: right. you know, and
3: because uh, uh, raccoons are nocturnal animals, they like, obviously they don't show up during the day, right? Normally, and when they do, it could be because somebody had them as a pet and kind of reversed their way of living just to, because they were pets. But but what you're saying really makes you know is is really quite a possibility uh animals' attitudes and, and personalities do change as a result of an ailment, and, and like uh, rabies, which is getting more and more prevalent now.
11: Right, and uh, animals can get rabies over the wintertime, too. You know, I mean, hmm. uh, the skunks and the raccoons and possums, they don't go away, you know. Yeah. So you have to be really careful about that.
3: You know that's a good point.
11: And unfortunately, they don't have a test for rabies that you know a blood test or a saliva test. They have to uh, euthanize the animal and then test the brain. So.
3: So they have to kill the animal first before they can tell whether it has yes. rabies. Yeah. Oh, isn't that awful? I yes. didn't realize that.
11: But uh, you know, it's either that or you're putting yourself and your family at jeopardy in jeopardy That's you know
3: right. well, yeah he so said he can't even get close to the animal though the animal won't let him touch him
11: hmm. uh, i i don't like the way that sounds yeah at all yeah i really don't and he did say that um before that the cat was uh, just a wonderful cat
3: yes hmm. Very yeah, that is, uh,
11: see i'd really be concerned about that yeah. because we've had um in the past year they there have been um, a few little children that have been out in their backyards, and all of a sudden uh, they had a rabid fox around here. And the fox, I mean, the kids didn't even see it. It just ran up into the yard. One jumped over a fence and just attacked the, the little kids, you know. Mm. So we had a bunch of little kids having to have...
3: Yeah, what, 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 hap- you know, what happens sometimes, which is frightening also, is a, say a rabbit raccoon, can get into a tussle with a cat now or a dog, and the dog may have been immunized against rabies. Right. So the dog is protected, but uh, but but the the uh, it might have been licked by the raccoon or whatever, so that when you when you touch the dog's fur, you can transmit that disease, the uh, mm-hmm. rabies, to yourself.
11: Yeah, just depending on the, how fresh it is. Yeah. Stress
3: through the you know through the fur. Now we've had a, a case like that in, in the town I live in, and they're not sure that uh, a little a boy who may have touched this dog, uh, who had some of that rabies on him, uh-huh. might not have been thus become infected. I'm mean, there's a little fear about that right now.
11: Yeah,
3: yeah. This no, uh, this whole thing, the whole thing is is quite serious, and I think people who live in the city who are not aware of maybe are not are not close to this kind of situation are not aware how how really frightening it is to a lot of people who live. Not even out in the country, just any suburban area, any place where there are animals. I suppose it could happen in the city, too, of oh, course. Oh,
11: yeah. I, you know, I was just about to say with, uh, with the boom in population that's been coming up uh, um, in the rural areas, you know, the animals have to have someplace to go. And, I mean, geez, sometimes you have deer walking down a city street and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, cities are full of trash and garbage. And, hey, that's what those little raccoons go for.
3: Yeah, no, that's quite true.
11: (laughs) My mother had one on her doorstep, a raccoon, and uh, this thing was beating itself up against the glass. So she called the police, and uh, they wouldn't come up to get this raccoon. It was like 3 or 4 in the morning. So finally they sent this guy up, and he wouldn't come near the house. And finally my mom had to call a friend of the family to come and shoot the raccoon, You know, and the police officer, of course, is telling you how to do it the right way. You know, but she said it was really funny because this police officer looked like he was about to pass out.
3: I know. You know, it's we call the police for everything, though. You know, I I sometimes I really feel so sorry for them. They get called in to do anything that you don't want to do yourself. Call the police, you know. She
11: she said the only thing she could have done is maybe beat it over the head with, uh, you know, maybe a a skillet or something, I don't know, but um, she couldn't do it. She wasn't going out of the house.
3: No, so, I, I don't think I could have done it either. But you want you wanted the police to come and take a shot at it.
11: Yeah, I told her the next time call the game commission, that's what they're for.
3: No, I would think so. The animal control officer in your yeah. town, that would be the one. And they get called in for some terrible things too.
11: Well, that's what they're for. That's what they do. No,
3: that's they, true. That's their job.
11: They trap and destroy animals and Put them back where they belong
3: and all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. Chris, yeah. you're, you're saying such really tough stuff and you have such a cute little adorable voice that they don't <laughs> seem to go together.
11: Oh, well. Okay. <laughs>
3: hey, I hope you have a great, hope 1994 is a fantastic year for you. How's it, it has still, been so far? So far, good. i just wondered if it's too late in the year for me to wish Happy New Year to people.
11: Oh, no. Happy New Year, Norm.
3: Happy New Year to you, Chris. And Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you, too. Take care of yourself. <laughs> okay.
7: Bye-bye. During the colder winter months, people don't think about making exterior home improvements.
12: Right, everybody is well. Good. Haven't called you in in a while, but uh, I thought I would call you tonight because you're the jazz expert extraordinaire.
3: (laughs) Well, don't overdo that, but I do like jazz, yes.
12: And I, I want some information if you can help me. Okay. I have sort of a running bet with a guy at work. Can you tell me Norman, who were the members of the Nat King Cole Trio and what did they play? I said Oscar Moore was one, and I said he played the bass, but I'm not positive on that.
3: See, you know, I, I, got uh, a real in uh, memory. That- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, I I could look that up, if I were home, you know, because I got a million of their records. <laughs> and uh, boy, isn't that awful. Oscar Moore was one. I know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Was he bass or guitar? Bass. I think. I think you're right. Bass. Uh-huh. And so who would who would the guitar player have been?
12: Yeah. And uh, there was another thing. The guy said to me, wasn't there a drum? I said, I don't think so. I think it was just the piano, the bass, and a guitar. I think you're right.
1: And as you approach the south, uh, the Prudential Tunnel, they'll be there for the next several hours to watch out for them.
2: one lane <laughs> in each just about 530. Outside of the city, routes 128,
1: 495, and really the Mass Pike,
3: doing well.
1: I'm Jack Hart, WBZ, 24-Hour Traffic Network.
3: And we go to
1: WBZ's Jackpot. Well, thank you, Daryl. We are still dealing with work crews inside the Sumner and Callahan tunnels. One lane in each remain shut down just for some, uh, some minor, uh, Light maintenance watch out there on the Mass Pike heading westbound just before the Prudential Tunnel. More work crews to deal with. 128, 495 on the Mass Pike doing well. Do remember that a little bit later on today we will see plenty of people heading towards the Prudential area to uh, witness the Christmas tree lighting. The, that will be at 5:30, but roadways will be affected in around the Prudential building between uh, just about 4 o'clock and 7 p.m. I'm Jack Again, as you well know,
3: because you were an integral part of all of that yes indeed and, and tony I... nesbitt was uh, would have uh, been playing the game and it would have been a whole lot of fun uh-huh. but we uh, seem to have had some technical problems today i see uh our computer was down i i i i won't go through the details it's too ugly uh-huh. and there may be some children listening <laughs> but uh, but that was the reason we eliminated it i don't today. know how i'm going to get through the week well a lot of people usually get their fix on the dumb birthday game and they probably won't have a good time of it either it's like coffee in the morning you don't you don't really spring to
1: life until you've had that cup of coffee and so it is uh, with the birthday game yeah. you don't really
3: spring to life for the week without the birthday game it's kind of an empty dry kind of something missing kind Mm -hmm. of feeling you have in your to the depths of your soul absolutely i know it i know it's it 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 hasn't it hasn't been easy for me either Uh uh-huh or the lovely Marilyn maryland who sits right here and loves to, to keep score and everything. Yes, indeed.
1: And, you know, speaking of the birthday game, Norm, I, I've got a suggestion for you. Uh, I was watching a, uh, a program uh, in the past several days, uh, some cuts of laugh from Laugh-In, from uh, the, the old show, and uh, there were some shots on there of uh, Jack Benny. And, you know, I think that you
3: should do a one-man show. <laughs> as jack benny as jack benny i did see those same thing you were watching i thought i thought laughing no. holds up very very well today i thought those that the the excerpts i've seen and they had a big anniversary or some kind of a special a thing a, back. A, a past christmas present yeah i thought i thought it, i thought they were very very funny and oh, beautifully absolutely. done yeah I'm lovely that it up and i you know i did see a jack benny there, you know, playing his violin uh-huh. and all that. Uh uh-huh. I, no, I, th- I thought, I, th- I thought the whole thing was, and I'd forgotten how many great people were on that. Iddie, mm-hmm. what's his name? Iddie, Artie Johnson, a very funny guy. Oh, still is today. You know, he still is. You see, today, you know, you know, you know, you, know, you see, uh-huh. you know. I thought it was. But it's it's amazing how you know the stuff that was real good that you remember as being really good is a profound statement that'll make you scratch your stomach and want to want to throw up. It's so uh-huh. so obvious. Uh, but the stuff that you remember as being really good still is is really very good. It is it is in fact I think laughing even looks funnier now, maybe because a lot of. Funny things are not so terribly funny anymore. Ah,
1: uh, you might be right. That was, uh, you know, of course, I saw it when I was, uh, but, a, but a youngster knee high to a grasshopper, and didn't understand most of the jokes at the time. So now I can, I can scream with peals of laughter uh,
3: <laughs> anew. Oh, that is the most pompous <laughs> speech, and now I can scream with peals of laughter anew. Oh my! <laughs> Hey, but anyway, I did want to talk to you, despite the fact that we did postpone or or cancel the dumb birthday game because of inclement weather. I see. <laughs> or whatever the reason was, because of inclement equipment and a whole bunch of uh, technical people who are climbing all over our transmitter. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I I shouldn't bring that up because nobody will know quite what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. especially the engineers who are climbing all over our equipment. <laughs> anyway nice to talk <laughs> with you i'm sorry that we're going to miss it we'll, we'll have to play it next week Indeed. however later let late, come closer on mm-hmm. everybody to hear this yes I'll probably get too excited but later this month mm-hmm. i think the week before christmas or maybe the week of christmas or somewhere uh, i'll be sitting in for bob raleigh again the entire week and ah. so we'll have we'll have fun we'll be able to do the dumb birthday game a whole lot of days mm-hmm. well you know i will need to save up you know,
1: once we do, if we play a week's worth of birthday games, I will need to save that energy for for a time such as this, you know, that that I could, uh, if I had known enough to save it during the Thanksgiving week, I could just pull that energy and that that vitalization out of my pocket now and be saved. Huh?
3: (laughs) I don't know what, I don't know what it is you just, I heard somebody call, the last week and somebody there's some, some guy calls who talks just like you does i see i think during the reign of, of of president george washington he who asked and he goes on and on like this never gets to the point and you don't know what the hell he's talking about and he probably figures he's a great orator i'm not comparing you with him because you make sense sure uh-huh. what'd you say sure okay anyway i hope you have a great weekend and we'll, we'll talk do. to you we'll talk to you very soon and we'll look forward to that week Mm-hmm. when you and I and we can be reunited again with the yeah. uh, with the games and all that kind of stuff yes indeed okay meanwhile I'll get back to your room and just be quiet okay
4: being up all night
3: well at first it was kind of tough I, I did an all-night uh, jazz show way back in the uh, 50s and 60s and at first it was kind of tough because I hadn't been up all night like that except you know I was I was, I was young then and as a kid you stay up during new year's eve you know you because you you say you can't tell your friends you went to bed at twelve fifteen a.m on new year's eve so you stay up and and all that so that's the only time i ever did but then when i had to start working all night it was tough it took probably eight or nine months and i was working six days a week before i really got used to staying up late at night uh to the point where 3 o'clock in the morning was as comfortable for me as 3 o'clock in the afternoon would be for most other people who work days. So I'm kind of used to that now, and I've worked nights mostly. But uh, now it's a problem for me to stay awake at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when I really get tired. As long as you can sleep, uh, the problem is not so much staying up at night. The problem is being able to sleep during the daytime. Do you have a problem with that?
4: Well, I, well, like I said, now I've changed to having to get up uh, early in the morning, but uh, the, the dilemma that I faced was whether or not I was going to stay up when I left work at, uh, you know, four or five in the morning until, say, noon, and then sleep until I went into work, or sleep right when I got <laughs> out I know. I know. or get up at noon and try and deal with the day. It was, it was it, was, you know, it is it's, tough, it's, I know it. Especially know. during the summertime, it was it was it was um, something where you know I would see oh I get home and I watch like CNN oh it's going to be a great day it's going to be like eighty five degrees and I would say oh I want to stay up and then you know sometimes I'd stay up until I have to go back into work again and next thing you know I'd be You'd be pretty uh, tired on the job exactly and also
3: what do you do on your day off do you sleep during the uh, daytime then or do you you know, I will fall back into the uh, your, your old life by sleeping during the night, and then you have to th- then you throw everything off. So you have to get back into the routine again when you go back to work. Uh, I don't know. You, you have to kind of resolve that. What I what I do when I'm working any great length of time probably is this, is to sleep during the day when I get home for a little bit and then get up during the midday and then take a nap before i come back in again you can so you split up, split, yeah. sort of split it up yeah
4: yeah um uh, it's interesting um because a, a large uh percentage of people actually do work the night shift i mean we're talking like uh, maybe 30 or 40 percent um, oh
3: there, there are more people yeah the more people who work at night than most people think Pe- there are a lot of a lot of people think why they go to bed after the eleven o'clock news or something like that, and that the whole world does that. But that's that's not true. There are a lot of people who stay up night. Exactly. No. exactly. And a lot of a lot of kids in school, like you, stay up very late. They may not stay up all night, but they stay up late because they never go to they never sleep at night. <laughs> you know, they're either working or or they're young and they have a lot of vitality and do you know and, and stay up quite late. So there are a lot of people who are up at various times during the night. Uh, you really have you have to do it for a while and get into some kind of a habit. Mostly, the, again, mostly the problem is can you sleep during the daytime hours? A lot of people find that tough and it takes them a while to get used to that. But if you get enough sleep during the daytime, it, it's, a, it's a sense staying up at night. Because you're all rested by that point. So
4: you don't have any problems, like, splitting up your sleep, like, between, you know, early morning and late afternoon?
3: No, no, working nights has become very natural for me. You can tell by, do you hear the vitality in my voice? (laughs) Just here, I'm just kind of bubbling along. I'm just feeling just so good. And here it is, you know, 13 minutes before four. Most people who'd been up all this time would, you know, would be just about dead on their feet. But not you. You're, you sound pretty much alive and awake too.
4: Well, uh, um, you know, I like I said, uh, uh, up until about September, I was up until uh, you know five or six in the morning. And just recently, I've had to try and adjust, and I've done that fairly well. But but at any time, I I, I can stay up, uh, especially late, uh, especially when I'm uh, waiting to hear you come on the radio. <laughs> wow, what a nice what a nice thing to say.
3: It's whatever you whatever you can. Your body gets adjusted to. You can. I mean, I suppose there are some people, and if they work the night shift for a thousand years, could still never get used to sleeping during the day, and that's kind of rough.
4: Also, another thing that I hear uh, on CNN is uh, those people who do um, work at night, they they don't sleep as well during the day. And I
3: don't think they sleep as much. I think that's true. I th- I think you if you sleep at night. I think you' probably get more sleep you know more hours of sleep than you do during the daytime that that's true, except you're coming into the the, the uh, winter months, you know, and the weather is cold and kind of rough, and there's a lot of darkness now, so I think it's easier to work the night shift now than it would be during the summer where the well, you know you, you kind of feel guilty about sleeping because you feel everybody's out doing something the weather is beautiful, you might be at the beach, and here you are wasting time sleeping, I think psychologically. It's, it makes it a little tough
4: oh I, you're absolutely right and as a matter of fact to to further that point uh, there is a there's a sleeping disorder that occurs to to some people during the winter time uh, because there's less sunlight people have trouble staying awake um, and mm-hmm. because of uh, the, the seasonal change uh, during the winter they there's a certain sleeping disorder that occurs because there's less sunlight
3: Oh, that's probably true too. But
4: but be glad you don't live
3: in Barrow, uh, Alaska, <laughs> too, where, where I don't know. Right now they come in into the time of year when it, it'll be. I don't know how close we are to that time of year, but they have darkness for like for three months. <laughs> I mean, no light at all. And I'm, I, they tell me I, I've talked with some people up in Darrow. We put we we've been on the air with them uh, during the summertime. It's a total daylight for like for three months. They don't have any darkness at all. And I asked them which was worse, and they claim that the uh, three months of daylight is worse than the three months of darkness. Huh. I don't know why that is, but uh, I know during the daylight you can, you know, block out the sun at night with curtains and stuff and make it lighter. I don't know. I, I, maybe they drink more at night. Maybe it's, <laughs> Maybe that's why the not, the, the, that, that time of the year seems a little better. I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure.
4: Well, oh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm a first-time caller. Well,
3: I'm I'm glad you did call. Are, are your folks still up in Maine?
4: Uh, they are. Um,
3: so they, you're you're you are you 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 are at a dorm now. Then you're kind of living away from home.
4: You know, well, I lived on campus for the first three years. I'm a senior now. Uh, I'm I'm about to enter that world of having to work for a living. <laughs> and it's, I'm, it's, I'm regretting it, but <laughs> uh, but. Um, uh, I live off, I, I decided for my last year, I wanted to really focus on, you know, doing as well as I could and preparing myself for uh, working. So I decided to live off campus, and that's I'm, that's why I'm living in Dedham now. Thank
3: right? You sound like a nice guy. I, I, I'll bet you do. I bet you're so fantastic, successful. You'll probably be the chief executive order uh, officer of all Westinghouse property, including WBC, <laughs> uh, within weeks. Well I <laughs> of your graduation.
4: Well I really hope that happens. Uh, I'm a little worried about that now considering the economic conditions of uh of this area. Uh, I actually, actually actually I was planning on moving to uh like the southeast because uh, um, it's uh more prosperous economically. Uh, Massachusetts is kinda of bumming me out. I've heard through the entire time i've gone through school it's going to be tough to find a job you got to start interviewing early and i'm gonna i'm kind of getting tired of that it can't be like that everywhere so I'm, I'm considering moving to to another area of the country
3: well i hope you find a job wherever whatever area you want particularly this area but it is true i i don't envy anybody who's just getting out of school now or will be getting out of school it is a tough time to be to be graduating but you sound pretty sharp and you've had if you've been at Bentley, you've you've had a pretty good education, so I think you'll do okay. Will you keep in touch and let me know? Cause I'll be your adopted dad while you're down here. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Scott. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care. More
6: to
2: the and at anyway, well, I was nervous because I I thought I, I'm not sure, but I thought it was illegal to like talk on a hand phone while you're in. The, I'm not sure, but anyway. I wanted to look as professional as possible, and I didn't get a ticket, so I guess it. Might.
3: Oh, you did. Did they give you a warning or anything? No,
2: not just verbal.
3: Just um, verbal. They said,
2: "Hey, hey." No, you know what happened? My yeah. my one of my headlights was out, and I had no idea.
3: Oh, that's why they stopped and, you. And they
2: stopped me, and he and he told me my uh, he was probably checking my sobriety or something, but but uh, he, he sent me right on my way. That
3: was nice. Oh, that's that's really good. Okay, and what you have to send it? You have to send a card into the registry or to the police or no, something no. saying you had it repaired.
2: No, not at all. He just said you ought to get that. Uh, you better to get that taken care of, and I
3: did. Okay, nice. I still think you should have. I know. I know it was kind of a tough decision to make when you see those lights flashing in back of you. Yeah. I turn I, I turn into water.
2: You get the adrenaline. Oh yeah. God,
3: I get. You know, I really. As a matter of fact, if I'm going by a state cruiser, and I'm going under the speed limit, even I start reaching for the brake, don't you? <laughs> like yeah.
2: Act straight.
3: Just automatically, the, the mind says, reach know, for the brake. You know. I don't know
2: why. I don't know why we have that reaction.
3: No, but auto- automatically you do. There's something frightening about that. So
2: there it was- jump- Game was tonight.
3: Yeah, we had, we had problems with the equipment and stuff, and uh, it just seemed like it would be an awful problem to do. Yeah, but like, we'll have it back on tomorrow anyway, and it'll be just so wonderful.
2: People all over Massachusetts are probably scratching their heads and scratching their bellies and... Reaching for the gold bond powder.
3: <laughs> That's right, and they're probably saying, I don't know, there's something empty about this night.
2: Yeah. What
3: is there missing from this night? I hey, don't know.
2: No, I had a, que- a couple of questions here. I don't know if you can help me. Um,
3: I'm going to try.
2: I was wondering about a couple of broadcasters that I used to listen to when I was a kid, and, and I was wondering if you knew whatever happened to them. Can I try it? Yeah, by all means. Larry Glick.
3: Larry Glick, of course, was here, and he was over at uh, WHDH in his later years. And he is pretty much retired from broadcasting, but okay. still, he still uh, does his hypnotism stuff, and uh, he, he's, uh, he uses that to help people to stop smoking and
2: okay. works with
3: his wife and her shop and all that kind of stuff. I was
2: looking through uh, some uh, collection of things that I've uh, accumulated over the years, and I found a Lick University T-shirt and uh, one of his record albums.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, that,
2: that I yeah. Saw. And hey. the, the other one I was wondering about was uh, Emperor Hudson.
3: Oh, boy, that goes back a bit. Now, I don't know where he is. Emperor Hudson was on, was not on this. I
2: don't this... know what station he was on. No, but he I... was on
3: WMEX, I believe, at and one time.
2: I bought like four of his record albums, Hudson and Landry, and they were very funny.
3: Oh, yeah, it wasn't MEX. They called it something else at the time.
2: W, was it uh, ITS?
3: ITS, that's Was it right. ITS? ITS, Information, Talk, Talk and, sports. and Sports. That's right. And he was, that's right, he and Ron, Ron Landry? Ron Landry, yeah. Yeah, he must be in some of those albums, isn't he, that you have? Yeah,
2: they're, they're all Hudson and Landry, they're Hudson,
3: Hudson and Landry. I have
2: four of them.
3: Yeah, now he went, he went back to California, the last I'd heard, but I don't know whether he's still on the air out there or not. He was uh, very funny. Yeah, he, he, uh, he attracted a, a good audience at a station that did not have much of an audience.
2: No, it didn't, did it? No, but, but, but... Did that become ME... Well, that was MEX.
3: That had been MEX. It became that, then it became... MEX, w, MEX w,
2: again.
3: Yeah, in between there was WMRE, the memory station where they played uh, older songs from the 30s and 40s. Then it went back to MEX, and now it's... I think it's WSSH, WISH, I'm A-M. Not, I'm, not AM. Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, they
3: just uh, simulcast the same program that so the WISH Larry Wish So,
2: is retired...
3: From broadcasting, yes. From broadcasting. I'm sure he'll never retire from life in general, but from <laughs> broadcasting, yes.
2: Well, thank you for taking my call.
3: I'm delighted that and you I... hung on there, and I'm glad that everything worked out, because yeah. we were wondering what happened after the police stopped I want, you.
2: I also want to mention to you and hearing your previous conversation, I'm in the same habit as you are. I sleep till about 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, and then I'll take a nap in the afternoon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not too great. To, but, no, the tough thing was getting home this morning. It was kind of good. Well, I had a couple of worries. One was, after I get home, is the, is, will my, my plow person, will he have been there, and will he have opened up the driveway, and can I get in? Or do I have to park in the street, which is illegal in my town this time of the year? <laughs> anyway, everything worked out well. In addition to the fact that the, it was sleeting pretty much all the way going home, and it was really kind of rough. And then my windshield wipers seemed to have conked out at one point, But it was kind of an adventure. I I remember as a young guy on a date, and I'm driving my father's car, which had no defrost system at all way back then, Mm -hmm. and the windshield caking up with about an inch of of solid ice and looking out the window to see where I was going, and I thought, what a great adventure this is, you know, with my date there and the, the other... The other couple, the double date in the back. And we were just whooping it up and laughing and giggling and thought, isn't this wonderful? And I thought, isn't that wonderful to be youthful? At the moment, if this happened to me now, I'd be in a state of total panic. I can't
9: even be thinking about it. I
3: know it at the time. It seemed like a whole lot. Look at that. I can't see out the window at all. I'll look out, you know, out the windshield. I'll look out the side window. I can't see much there, but isn't this a great adventure? Everything was a great adventure when we were kids. And the, and when you get older, it's it's nothing but a nightmare. What, what happened What happened to us, Elaine?
9: Well, I think I was born timid, so there hasn't been.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I was too. Uh, you know, I told you I was born a total wimp. But there were certain things that I looked upon as a great adventure then. Maybe I've gotten more wimpish as the years have gone by.
9: Now, physically, I've always been a bit of a coward. And as you know, I'm very neurotic driver, more so all the time. I did things in the past. I have driven to the Cape and to I would go to the airport on occasion, things I would no longer dream of. My one thing that I was brave about was traveling alone, which is the only way I will travel. I love to travel alone, except now I'm too lazy to travel.
3: You mean if somebody said, I want to travel with you, LA, can I go with you? Well, you I would say. you
9: never asked me, but I. <laughs>
3: no, but not. I, I, well, I will, but now you kind of. You sound like you're turning me off. Somebody came up to you and said, I want to travel with you. you say, no, I want to go by myself.
9: I prefer it. I prefer Really? It. I've had friends who were uh, unattached. And were hesitant about traveling alone, and would hint broadly, and I'd say no, thank you. And to me, the great my achievement would be to go to a strange city, a European city, by myself, and uh, learn enough of the language, just phrases to get around, learn them, their currency, and have maps and have done my homework ahead of time and by the end of a week I'd be giving other people direction.
3: <laughs> can you can you hold on till we check the news? Come close, I don't want everybody to hear. Bill Watson has the uh, an update for us on what's going on throughout the world and he gets really he he, he, he pan in that way he doesn't panic, he gets fiercely angry at me if I don't give him to As uh, you
9: did with quite promptly with a gentleman in West Virginia. Oh. Oh,
3: oh, that was that's different, though. No, I never told him to stand by and I'd be back at him. I just hung up on it.
9: Do you really want me to hang
3: on? No, no, yes, I do want you to hang on. Would you do that? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll talk right after Bill Watson and the news.
9: I've enjoyed
3: it. It's rather poetic. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was almost burst out into my high school fight song. <laughs> Until the last white stripe is crossed. <clears throat> anyway, did, what high school did you graduate from?
9: Do you know? that I never did. My education was so totally screwed up by travel. I've had the equivalent of college, but I have not a bloody thing on paper to show for it.
3: Well, then you come here looking for a job from me, and you don't have a degree, you have nothing, you have no high school graduation, a certificate, diploma, or anything, and you expect me to make you president of the Westinghouse organization? What is this?
9: It's shocking, isn't it? It's absolutely <laughs> unrealistic. That was acting. That was,
3: that was a little drama we just played you out. You know,
9: every time I was about to get something, we left. You yeah. know, we moved. I was at the London School of Dramatic Art, which was had an affiliation with London University, gave a degree in speech, but it was a two-year course, and after <laughs> one year, a war happened to come along, and we left England. And then... I attended various schools. I was at Columbia for a while as a special student. They didn't want to let me in because I didn't have a high school diploma, so I asked them to give me an entrance exam, which they did, and then they let me in. And uh, this is the sort of thing that's gone on. then we moved from New York out to California.
3: Do you ever think that maybe your folks didn't like you at all? No. That maybe they were anti-women and they thought, Uh, let's keep moving. Helene is nearly getting a diploma. Let's move before she gets too cocky because her place is in the kitchen and we don't want her to get too educated. Did you ever think about that? Yes, I did. I'm just joking. (laughs) No, I can't. But you know
9: what I did? I was... uh, I was mar- I'm was i divorced, though, in, in a most amicable way. My former husband and I are still very friendly.
3: That sounds like a civilized kind of Cole yes. Porter lyric.
9: Yes, and uh, while I was married to him, he was on the faculty of Harvard. And as a faculty wife, I was allowed to audit courses, provided there was room. And I audited courses at Harvard for three years, and it maddened me that I couldn't take the exams. I was dying to but you can't expect people to waste time correcting papers of someone who's not paying. But uh, I stopped auditing courses (laughs) when people called me (laughs) ma'am. And one uh, sociology course in communications referred to the 1936 presidential election of Roosevelt and Landon and the demise of the literary digest which had predicted a Landon landslide and I looked around the room and realized that every, no one else in the room had been born at the time huh? and that depressed me me so i stopped
3: taking the courses oh you poor baby
9: <laughs> poor poor <laughs> poor baby
3: <laughs> it's kind of funny i don't know whether i mentioned this on the air see i talk the same off ears on here so sometimes i can't remember whether i've said it on radio or not but i remember <clears throat> the first time i felt really old i worked i was i went to work at uh, it was whdh at, at that at that point and I, I was about 28. I was still pretty young. I'd been a radio, although at that time, that time I'd been a radio about 10 years, even, even then at 28. And I remember one of the young ladies who, who worked in the office said, said to me, oh, hello, I, I've been listening to you ever since I was a little girl. <laughs> and I was only 28. And then when I turned 30, <clears throat> a, a, a guy I was working with said, you're now middle-aged because I don't, he had the idea that people only live to be sixty or something <clears throat> excuse me so he figured that that was thirty was middle age so I felt old ever since ever since that I was in my twenties so you can imagine what I feel like right now <laughs> because many more years have passed under the bridge or something.
9: Well it was a shock to me because there was a time when I always looked very young for my age I was small and uh... People stopped me when I was in my twenties and would say, "Why aren't you in school?" And I would tell my age, and people would look surprised. And then it stopped happening.
3: Oh, oh I was gonna. I see. I was yeah. getting. I was getting kind. Of, I was getting kind of all heated up here. I was gonna ask if whether you you looked especially young now too. See, because I'm getting kind of excited about that.
9: No, I'm afraid I don't look old, but I think I look about my age and uh, which oh, that's is close awful. to yours.
3: Oh, that's awful.
9: I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? You sent me a picture which you claimed was taken about the time of the sinking of the Titanic. <laughs> so I might send you one of me taken about the time of the Andrea Doria. <laughs>
3: Oh, the Andrea Dory would be okay. That only goes back to about 19, what, 57 or something like that, 56? Well,
9: wait, uh, I will send you one for my uh, early w- acting.
3: I would it. like that. I might. I might get turned on, so turned on by that. We might begin dating, and we may end up, who knows? It may be one of the great historic romances of the century. <laughs> okay, because... Well,
9: I was so worried about you, Norm, about your driving home last night that had I not fallen asleep, I was going to ask if you, because Belmont was closer than Middleton, if you'd care to come and spend the night. Oh. And I thought that sounded too much like a 900 number. And I <laughs> <laughs> That would have been just so darn nice.
3: I would have, uh, I would have brought my jammies and everything. We would have had a real swell time.
6: <laughs> You're
3: okay, Hilaire. I hey. didn't want your program
6: to
9: be X-rated, so I
6: did. Oh,
3: there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mind that part at all. No, I'd love to. I'd love to see what you look like. You know, because you can tell at my age, I want to ease into it. I know? will send you a picture. Okay. Hey, have a great week. You too. Thanks Goodbye. a lot. Bye bye. Who knows, who knows where this may develop, and you heard it first right here on WBZ. Remodeling a kitchen is usually an expensive project.
13: The show on back in the 70s, I remember one of the best things he used to do was take, and, uh, take ideas from people out of the audience, and then he'd make up a song about whatever they wanted him to do. I don't know if you, do you remember the show and. He had that on no
3: i don't i don't sounds like a great idea i do not recall it can you get a little closer to the phone and just speak up just a little bit
13: oh okay sure is that better
3: that, oh that's nice yeah 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 oh,
13: okay <laughs>
3: yeah because the end of your level was a little kind of kind of soft
13: oh okay um i was thinking too um i heard somebody say about um a song called well the one raindrops keep falling on my head and then another one um Another somebody done somebody wrong song I think it was? Yes. They were done by BJ Thomas, but I remember um Mac Davis's songs that he had out. They were um the one baby don't get hooked on me and then he had another one called one Hell of a woman.
9: <laughs> oh really?
13: Yeah.
3: Oh, I like that. That's a great title.
13: Mhm. And he um he wrote a couple songs for Elvis too. Um
3: I had that. Yeah, he yeah. he wrote, he wrote uh um uh, in the ghetto,
14: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, did he write something else? Because he wrote Something's Burning that, that was recorded by Kenny Rogers in the first edition.
13: Yeah, ben and he um, wrote an Elvis song called Don't Cry Daddy.
3: Don't Cry Daddy?
13: Yeah, it was um, a hit. I don't know how high it got, but I know it's on like a compilation that you can get of Elvis' uh, songs. Mm. Yeah, so he wrote songs for a lot of people.
3: Are you are you an Elvis Presley fan?
13: Oh, uh, yeah, somewhat.
3: I just wondered because you know today is his birthday.
13: Mm-hmm.
3: I guess you, well you would know that obviously, but you're not uh, that much of a fan. Where you would go down to Memphis, and uh, uh, on his birthday, and you know, and with with the whole vigil that a lot of people go through.
13: Not really, no. But it's uh, comical sometimes. I think some of the people go when they're down there.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's the, he, this was be his 59th birthday. Mm-hmm. Hard to imagine. Elvis Presley's almost sixty, isn't it? I know it is.
13: It's
3: hard to believe. You know, I, I don't mean to make light of death because can, and that's kind of awful when you lose somebody and you want them to be around forever and all of that. But uh, sometimes it's like John Kennedy, who would be what in way up in his seventies now.
5: That's right. You
3: die and uh, you're kind of for all time frozen into that that age. You're you you you're you're always young. What I'm saying is so terribly obvious that <laughs> it's a shame that I'm really stupid enough to say it. Aww. But, it, but, it, but it, still, when I think of, El, uh, of a 59- or 60-year-old Elvis Presley, it almost is too much to bear. I just can't picture that.
13: No, I, I couldn't really picture JFK, too, in his 70s. Yeah, I'm so used to seeing pictures of him when he was in office. And just to think that you know
6: by now he would be in his seventies—it's
3: really hard to picture what he would look like. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. I'm not coming up with anything really really smart answers for you on that on that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but okay, anyway, you're not you're not as big a an Elvis Presley fan as to take advantage of the airlines special one-day low airfare it's hard for me to imagine that to it for 59 dollars you can fly down <laughs> since it was his 59th birthday i guess that's what they charged
2: mm-hmm. and you
3: could fly down for the for the one day and then fly back again but it had to be within that one day
13: oh geez we're having just about everything now aren't
3: they <laughs> now where where in pennsylvania are you
13: um i'm in Downingtown. it's uh like i think about 35 miles outside of philly okay uh-huh. So well, we were just some of the ones that just went
3: through that ice storm. Oh, yeah. Do you had? Was it pretty rough? It was pretty rough down your way. You had it about the same as we did up here, I think.
13: Yeah, we had a, about a half inch to three-quarters of an inch of ice on our driveway. <laughs> and then we would had like a couple of inches of snow on top of that.
3: Oh, boy, that was rough. Yeah, that was rough. Heading home uh, this, this, this morning, let's see, I left here about, I guess, around 8 o'clock or something like that. And it was just, everything was just beginning to turn to turn to ice and sleet and everything, and it, it was it wasn't a nice morning.
13: No. And
3: it's only January eighth.
13: I know, and I hate to think of what it's going to be like the rest of the winter. <laughs>
3: okay, but the days are getting longer. Chin up, everything's going to be okay. That's
13: right.
3: Okay. I'm glad to talk with you, Joan. You're you, you are, you're a nice person. I'm, I thank you very much for the call.
13: Oh, you're welcome, Norm, anytime.
3: Okay, I hope so.
13: Mm-hmm. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Nobody does it like you,
14: the
6: way that
14: you... Talk with you, Rick. And uh, it's not what I called you about, but can you stand one more comment on Mac Davis?
3: I can I can stand even two or three more comments, as long as they're
14: interesting, Rick. I believe his biggest hit, which has not been mentioned yet, is I Believe in Music, which was also the theme for his TV, that he used on his TV show. I think that's the title, but it may have another official title It had the lyrics in it. Uh, Love is the Universe universal language and something like that
3: sounds really nice can you hum a little bit
14: no i am i am the world i am the world's worst singer uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even attempt it <laughs> okay but uh it's so i'm sure you'll have a listener who's familiar with mac davis who will call with the official title and also give you a few lines of it as you as you pointed out the other one uh was sort of the hit he had not associated with the show and then the one i'm mentioning is the one associated with this show and as many of your callers have pointed out he did not do raindrops keep falling on my head
3: i think he would be very flattered if he were listening at this moment uh, not not just this moment but this past hour because so many people
14: remember him and know what he's done
3: i think that's really nice
14: yeah well he was one of those charismatic figures right uh Right before I think the disco age took over, and and so many of the unforgettable, uh, so many of the forgettable people uh, came before. Uh, whatever.
3: What, I'm trying yeah. When, when I when I think of uh, when I think of Mac Davis, and I don't know why, but I think of Chris Christopherson, and I know they're not the same. And Chris Christopherson, Chris Christopherson did write some stuff too, didn't he, as well as sing?
14: Oh yes, yeah. And I. I'm not a music expert, but I, and I couldn't attempt to explain it, but I can see quite well why you would com- put the two, group them together.
3: It seemed to me that, that they, they were both popular as singers about the same period back in the 70s. I know Christopherson's still around, is making movies and all of that, but uh, I'm, I remember he appeared at some clubs here in Boston around the same time that Mac Davis was writing all this stuff. Anyway, I've always kind of lumped them together for some for some reason, and I thank you
14: very much for not saying,
3: what a stupid lumping together that is, you well, dummy.
14: Well, I think one of the things they have in common and that I want to get on to the real reason I called you, which you can answer something for me, their songs were not cutesy type songs. They all wrote songs, the, both of them wrote songs that kind of tell a story and don't follow with... Four, you know, four line verses followed by a refrain and four line verses. Chris Costopoulos' biggest biggest known song was "Me and Molly McGee," uh, which, again, sort of is not exactly a smooth singing song. Oh yeah, right. What I've been meaning to talk to you about, if I could, because I thought of you while I was watching it, and I wanted your opinion. Did you see the television production of Gypsy?
3: no i did not now who was who was in that in the television production was was that
14: not, well you tell me it was Bette midler and half of holly oh
3: no i no i heard that and and uh somebody told me about that it was Bet midler seems like a natural to be the mother rose in the gypsy but i did not see that what did you think
14: i thought it was fantastic i am not a Bette midler fan uh in terms of the type of music that she did when she, you know, when she was popular, but you, she just, if ever there was good typecasting, uh, it was her. And of course in, I don't know whether they're called character roles or cameo appearance, appearances, but there were 20 other Hollywood stars in it, such as Ed Asner, uh, I believe I've heard you somewhat seriously say you're not unfamiliar to burlesque houses. That is true, yes. uh, The fellow that plays the father and married with children, are you familiar with him? Ed O'Neill. Who is a much better actor than
3: Ed Oh, he is. I've seen him in other things, and I can't believe it's the same guy who plays that really stupid ninny on uh, Married With Children. Yes, well, I
14: know he is. I've, I know he's a good actor. And he played the announcer and stage manager at the burlesque house, and he it just looked like he had been an announcer and stage manager in a burlesque house all of his life. Ah. Uh, he, it, it, it was, I mean, I watched it because I heard the critics say how surprised they were about how good Bette Midler was how it's the first production of Gypsy that compares to the original, which I guess was written specifically for Ethel Merman. Yes. And the only non-star in it, ironically, was the young woman who played Gypsy. Oh, really? And if I ever fell in love with someone while she was doing a role, I don't think I've done that. And I can't think of the young woman's name who appeared with Dustin Hoffman in *The Graduate*. Oh, that was uh, uh,
3: Ross. Catherine uh, Ka- Ka- Ross Catherine Ross. Yes, yes, yes.
14: And I'm right about Dustin Hoffman's age, and when and that movie was quite a long time ago. But I'll tell you, all through that movie, I kept just as he did in the movie, guy kept more and more falling in love with the role of the
3: captain hoffman oh in i place. know it i know it i know it i i spent a weekend with uh, dustin hoffman at that same period he was in town campaigning uh, for uh, senator G- eugene mccarthy he was running for president yes. then that was in 1948 uh 19 uh, no 19 what am i saying 19 was it 68 i think it would have been yes yeah, it would have been 68 right and uh, yeah and, and he had just that was his that was his big breakthrough movie. He was—he just had turned 30, I think, or 31 at that point. Anyway, I felt the same as you did about Catherine Ross, and he, became, of course, became a big star at that point with the uh, uh, S- uh, Simon Garfunkel score to that movie and all of that. i got news coming up. You want to hang on and we'll talk afterwards? Okay, or could I? Uh,
14: yes, Uh i'll hang on or dial back during
3: the news or if you want to call back if uh, that'd be up to you but hold on and, and okay, uh, we'll call you back okay okay the wbc boston the time is now midnight and let's see what while norm how have you been i've been just fine oh, and good and you you've been you've been doing big stuff yeah well uh, you know hey I, I, that's where I, this is where i started out though that's right Remember you started that? that's right. you were only 12 years old at the time <laughs> and i've seen you grow <laughs> into a lovely looking adult doing all (laughs) kinds of traffic at more important times than this. And I thought, he won't remember me anymore. He'll think... Yes, he's the old guy. When I was just starting out, that's I, was, okay. I was looking
10: forward to
3: it. I wasn't really looking forward to coming into work tonight, but
10: w- w- there is some consolation here. That okay, because is- we're going to be doing the dumb birthday game. You haven't played that since the last time it's we got together. Been a while, together. and I'm I'm, I'm I'm a little out of practice here, but I'm looking forward to it.
3: <laughs> okay, that's great. Hey, tell us about traffic. I'll sit. I know you. I don't even have to tell you to project. <laughs> I'm going back here with the kids here in the teen canteen, and uh, I'm going to listen to you way back at this other. Alrighty.
10: Right well mom you sit tight there that's the best place to be uh, inside a nice uh, warm studio this evening not uh, out on those roadways they are very slick very icy out there especially secondary roadways off-ramps bridges and decks Uh, use extreme caution out there keep the speeds down you will spin out if you don't outside of the city we do have a number of problems first off along 128 southbound at east street in dedham a truck that has lost its tire that is in the roadway use extreme caution there an accident right around that area university avenue in the process of being cleared and another spin out uh, southbound at walnut street in the saugus stretch as far as uh, the rest of the auto highways routes 93 and 495 reports of uh, lots of uh, icy road conditions the sanders are out there so do let them by if you uh, see them as you make your way about this evening, in the downtown area, uh, we do have a uh, part of Columbia Roadway shut down. You cannot travel between Blue Hill Avenue and Dudley Street due to some icing problems. Also, work crews northbound inside the South Station Tunnel causing some problems for motorists there. The WBZ Sailor One phone force also reporting a disabled motor vehicle northbound uh, just by the Callahan off-ramp, so do watch out for that. I'm Lou Ambrosino for the WBZ 24-Hour Traffic Network
3: person. Oh, he was something very, very special. I'm glad you said that because he was a hero of mine and uh, a very special kind of man. And it's nice of you to say that.
14: And all the way from Pennsylvania, I have my little Tip O'Neill story, which I guess everyone has. And this is true, I, I swear. When he was just about to retire from the scent, that something struck me funny about what he said. So I wrote him a little note in an attempt to be comical, uh, expressing good wishes on his retirement. And then at the end, I added the line just humorously that I thought after he retired, he should do an American Express commercial because he was much better looking than Carl Baldwin. And then lo and behold, I one day looked at
3: my TV, and there's Tip doing an American Express. <laughs> no, he did a he did a few commercials afterwards, and uh, some people said, "Well, why, why did he do that?" And uh, the fact was, he never really made big bucks as Speaker of the House. I, I know a lot of people can't believe that. You know, boy, those guys? They steal. They make plenty, with you know, but they really don't. They really don't. And he was a, you know, a strictly legit kind of guy, and he finally was able to cash in. And also the commercials were kind of funny. They they were not degrading in any way. I thought they were
14: right, they fun were, to look at. They were his brand of self-deprecating humor, which in a way made him endearing.
3: I know it. I know it. He was. He was okay. Big, as somebody said, big mountain of a man and not only in size, but in courage and in uh, personality and in the, in the whole business. And he will be missed. There are, there are very few politicians that are as much fun And and people you could respect as much as you could tip O'Neill. And that's that's my speech, and I guess we both agree on that. We do.
14: And as far as the television show, uh, Gypsy, I just want to say to you that if it is repeated, and you trust me, I really think you'd enjoy seeing it for any number of reasons, because some of the scenes in there will probably bring back some reminiscence, and... It's been said that uh, it's the only production of it that compares to the original, and they stayed true to the original, except in two places. When they were switching from the juvenile cast to the adult cast, rather than do the traditional blackout as they would do on a live stage. They used strobe photography so when they started the dance routine it was the children performing and when they ended it was the adults and you didn't see the transformation. And then after she switched after the scene which was actually rather poignant when she switched to being a dancer so that she could support the rest of the troupe as opposed to a vaudevillian they did a sequence where they kept moving from one theater to the another and just as the Pullman Porter does they called out the towns and the theater in the town she was calling out and when they got to Boston I'm quite sure I heard I've heard you mention the name of the theater they used and I found myself wondering I'm wondering if Norm ever was in that theater and saw her perform
3: uh, playing uh, Rose, the mo- the mother, the, the the part that you're talking about, uh, um, for Bette Midler, and of course the I I don't I don't think I ever saw the original with Ethel Merman. Uh, that's that was just too bad. I've seen Ethel Merman in in some things, but I guess I never saw her in that. But Gypsy is a great show anyway. It's one of the really great great Broadway shows.
14: And as I say, I, I just feel that very. Rarely do you see on TV a Broadway show given justice, and this was the one time I think they did it. And uh, I remember, and you perha- perhaps would know, there's a legend on Broadway, and I, I do not I do not know which writer said it to the fellow who was writing a play, but he said, if you're going to write it for Reth, it'll make it good because it's going to be loud. And <laughs> uh I think that Midler is one of the few people who can sort of, without straining her voice, just belt it out to the rafters. And my final comment on it: what made this so good was they did it on a soundstage, just like the old movies, and they recorded as they did it, as opposed to recording and lip syncing
3: it. Okay, oh, I got I to gotta mention one more thing before you go. Uh, I ask you whether you saw. Cabaret at the White House the East Room of the White House with the president and and uh, Mrs. Clinton watching and a whole uh, well obviously a whole group of political people and their friends and all uh, they had uh, they had a, a cabaret night and it was on public television about a week ago uh, earlier earlier this past week and it was repeated I think this past day. I saw the the uh, the, uh, the opening night performance, and it was one of the most exciting things I've seen in a long time. Bobby Short, uh, Blossom Deary, who else? Uh, I forgot, a whole whole co-group of real great cabaret singers and doing really choice songs. And uh, I thought the person who seemed to be enjoying it most was Hillary Clinton. You know, I picked her up on the camera every now and then, and she had this big smile on her face. Like, she was really turned on by all of this. And so was I. I thought it was one of the most exciting television shows I'd ever seen. Did you get to see that at all?
15: No,
14: no, I didn't. I, uh, I, I didn't see it. I wish I did. I don't have a television where I live most of the time. I have a relative that I have, elderly, that I have to go take things to. And most of my TV watching is there. So uh, it's kind of intermittent. So I didn't get to see that. Okay, because a lot of
3: television uh, gets to be pretty drab, but but this was far from that. That was it just would give you goosebumps.
14: Now last, and now uh, I'm going to hold you up for one minute more. Last night on the radio, uh, there was a one-hour production concerning a, a ballroom in New York City. The history of a particular ballroom. I'm trying to think of the name of it.
3: Roseland was it?
14: No, that was mentioned. The Palladium? I guess, yeah. yeah. And it mentioned all the various Mambo uh, uh, and Latin American type uh, players that used to go there. It was on the second floor and I just found myself wondering too. I know Norm used to like to go to New York for the, the jazz and the Latin type music and I had wondered if you were ever there, I guess during the a certain era, it was really the important
3: yeah. No, I, I I used to go to New York every now, not very, really very often. I, most of the jazz that, I, that I've that come across has been here in Boston. Uh, but I remember 52nd Street, which was the big jazz street. I, I, I've I been in a few clubs there way back. But I, 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 I never did get to New York an awful lot. I'm, I guess I'm one of these old dowdy New Englanders. And uh, to me, New York is like a million miles away with... A little too fast, <laughs> isn't that awful? To say well,
14: the, that? the funny thing of it is, is I grew up in Northern Pennsylvania, and my father worked for the railroad, so I had a path to ride the railroad into New York City. The same railroad that, whose main train was the Phoebe Snow. A little bit of trivia is that the singer Phoebe Snow took her name from the main railroad train on the Old Lackawanna Railroad.
2: Oh, is that right?
14: And I once was talking to Phoebe Snow and she was doing it, I joking, I tried to make it funny and it didn't cross funny. I said, I've made the joke, I've ridden on you many times. She knew what I was talking about, <laughs> but it didn't come across as very funny because she grew up in the area that it went through. But So I used to, when I was a kid, I used to sort of, when the rest of the kids in my neighborhood would go to downtown Scranton and hang out, I would go to New York because I could do it for free. So that's why I sort of have a mental image of New York in the fifties when I was a young kid. Okay.
3: You're okay, Ricky. Thanks very okay, much for the call. Okay, nice talking. Nice talking to you, to bye you bye. too. Bye bye. We'll take some more calls in a bit. We have uh, let's see, we have two two open lines now. Two five four ten thirty. You
6: know, you talk about Tip O'Neill. One thing I always remember about him. Well, I remember many things, but I was. uh, I'm part of ABCD, which is a community action program. Yes. And he used to have us every year down for breakfast.
3: Oh, well, that's nice. Where was that?
6: In Washington.
3: Oh, and he'd, 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 have you all come down to Washington? All
6: come down to Washington, and we'd meet with the congressmen and the senators.
3: Wow, that sounds great.
6: To say what our needs were for the coming year. yeah. And then he tells what he thought he could do. And he was just <laughs> the greatest guy going.
3: I thought he was too. He did do an awful lot for this area. There's no question about that. And, and, and
6: never bragged
3: about it. You no, know, he wasn't the kind who bragged about anything. He was just a, a fun guy who did his job well and uh, who stood during a, a, a very conservative era in American politics during the era of Reagan and and Bush. And he was not a uh, conservative himself, and it was kind of tough to, uh, to go against the trend of that time, but he, he stuck with his principles. He, I mean, you have to, whatever your political views may be, you have to admire a man like that. He was something special. Yeah. And, he, of course, he was my kind of—his his philosophy was much the same as mine. He was an old-style, uh, Franklin Roosevelt kind of liberal Democrat, and, uh, <clears throat> and he stuck with that right through the years. I, I thought he was okay. So there you are. I, I think you're speechless, Vivian.
9: <laughs>
3: Dude, I, I didn't hear you come back with anything there. Oh, there you are. You're still speechless. Are you okay?
6: You know, you talk about June Allison. I stopped thinking of Elizabeth Taylor. And years ago, I remember going to see a movie she was in and she sang this song.
3: Elizabeth Taylor sang a song in a movie. What, yeah, was, what was the movie?
6: Yeah,
3: Cynthia. Yeah, Cynthia. I don't recall that.
6: She was only about 15 years of age.
3: Yeah.
6: And I remember she came to the movie in person, and I went back there to see her, and we tried to get her to sing, and she wouldn't. She acted real stuck up and snotty.
3: Well, shame on her! That nasty person. And
6: uh, I kind of lost my faith with Elizabeth Taylor that day.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: But I look at her now, and she, she is an old lady.
3: She, does, she 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 looks pretty good still, don't yeah. you think?
6: Pretty good.
3: Oh, oh, oh! You don't like her enough to admit that. <laughs> you you still like, you still have the a little bit of animosity toward her. Now, I think she looks fantastic. You know, she her weight seems to change about every other minute, from kind of big to kind of just right at the moment. The last time I saw her it was uh, she looked. She, I thought she looked great.
6: Yes, yes, hey, she's a beautiful woman. She, hey, there you go,
3: Vivian, and you are too, Vivian. And I hope life treats you well during the coming
6: year. It is. Oh, that's and thank goodness that the Olympic Committee saw fit to. To state uh, Nancy Kerrigan. I know,
3: and that seemed to be the only fair thing. I think people would have thrown rocks at them had they not
6: <laughs> acted in
3: that way. Hey, Vivian, take care. Nice to talk with you.
6: Okay, Norman. Take care. Have a happy, happy New Year. Thanks a lot. You yeah. too.
15: Bye, bye. I sharpened by arm, but then you work on the waterfront in Boston, and you ask someone for a hammer. Can you pass the hammer, please? It doesn't work yeah, like
3: that. That's right. Pass the pass the hammer. Please. At any God rate,
15: says. I had a busy day shoveling and I finished the 40 flights at the top of old Bunker, the original Bunker Hill or Breed Hill, whatever. I always get the two mixed up. And I looked over, I used to be able to see the dome of the state house, but all the construction, all you could see was the flag at half mass. So like Billy Dawes, I hustled over, I got to see the tip, but before that I met my one of my role models, Mike Barnacle, and I had a ball that I didn't get an autograph by tip. I didn't, I'm not into autographs and all that. The handshake was good enough when I met him a month ago at the coop. But at oh. any rate, Mike Barnacle signed the ball that had Roger Clemens' autograph on it, and Young Tom signed it as well. Oh,
3: oh Mike Barnacle must have been flattered that you would ask him to sign a, a, a baseball with those illustrious names on it.
15: Hey, well, I remember playoff game when Connie would played for Oakland and I was sitting there Ray Flynn and all the hot shots or whatever and, <clears throat> and no one got up to cheer. Connie made a great catch. Myself and Mike. Mike was down by the dugout and I was near home plate and I, we were the only ones standing chair. It was a great play. But at any rate, mm-hmm. the O'Neills are such a warm family and uh, they reached out. Tom's a nice guy. He told me There's two rules here. No stories, no tears. So I just paid my respects to the tip. But I do owe him this, Norman, and it's called, I thought I'd refrain from poetic rambling, but I won't. It's called Boston Shade of Green. Can I give it a go? It's been long since published, 1980.
3: Okay, not too long, is it? No,
15: not at all, Norman. I won't bend your ear.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fire away.
15: Boston Shade of Green. I dream of our distant natives' land. Across that great blue sea, Filled with the green and clover, Is my dream to meet with thee. From the Emerald Isle, our people came, Not welcome to this town. The Yankees held the upper hand, Until the Irish they did frown. No Irish need apply, they said, With prominent. and disposition. Our people did the best they could To meet that new transition. They met her with a craftsmanship Of trades they known the best. They challenged Yankee politics, which put them to the test. Along the docks, they worked their way with blood, sweat, guts, and tears. They organized the union it has been carried through the years. Before some came, they had rebelled against Britain's wretched rule. Their leaders taught them very well in academies and schools. McDermott, James Connolly, and Patrick Pierce fostered the cause in the Republic's young years. Together with Plunkett, McDonough, and Clark, kindled the flame from which Ireland sparked. Those proud, brave men who stood there tall so that Ireland would hear her call fought for us and freedom too. Their spirit travels here to you. The People's Republic shall stand again among its northern flank for it's there our people stand for rights to be free from British ranks. How's that? Norman? Okay, Bob. Norman. Yes. Just one more thing. I've been reading Eugene O'Neill, and this best sums up. He, this is a correlation between him and Chekhov. And it's from the Seagull. And this, this best describes Tip O'Neill. And that, this, is, this is what I would think Tip, Tip would say. Now I know, I understand, that in our work, in acting or writing, what matters is not fame, not glory, not what I dreamed of, but knowing how to be patient, to bear one's cross and have faith. I have faith, and it all doesn't hurt so much. And when I think of my vocation, I am not afraid of life. Norman, good morning, pal.
3: Good morning to you, Bob. Well, Thanks. Good nice talk to you. Yep. Bye-bye now. Uh, Fred, hey, we've tra- we're traveling out to New Jersey, boys and girls.
5: Um, I found this number in the yellow pages. And uh, this is Dr. Uh, Nathan, the animal behaviorist.
3: Really? Is his last name Nathan? Oh, you're making that up. Yeah, I
5: wanted to ask you
3: something. Okay, that was getting all excited there for a second. (laughs) I thought maybe it was a relative of mine.
5: I have a cat that I think has lost its mind.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what makes you think that?
5: Her name is Ritzy. Now, she was out all summer and all fall. She wanted to be out. Yeah, But when, the, when it gets cold, her and Tiger, my, my male cat, they come in the house, and they live in the house in the winter. Yeah. Now, since she's come in, she has found a mouse but didn't kill it. She picked it up and carried it around, and it was like her baby. I mean, the mouse is still alive. She doesn't hurt it. <laughs> One day, without any reason whatsoever... I couldn't find her, and she wouldn't come to me when I called her. And now for weeks, the only time I see her is with her head in the food dish, but if I come near her, she runs, or squatting in the litter box, and if I come near her, she runs. And she's absolutely terrified of me, and I haven't done a thing to her. I keep feeding her, and the house is warm, and she's got everything she wants, but she won't come near me.
6: Yeah,
3: and you're asking me what, what, what caused this? And how can you... Is that your phone ringing? It's
5: another line. Don't worry about it.
3: Okay. We'll be calling you at 19 before 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting
5: curious. I don't know, but I just disconnected them.
3: Uh, what, do you have two lines coming into your house? Oh,
5: I have a whole bunch of lines.
3: Why is that? Are you, are you out of business?
5: No. I'm just crazy for telephones.
3: <laughs> See, I have a whole lot of uh, telephones with a whole lot of different numbers and stuff?
5: You think maybe my cat caught my craziness?
3: <laughs> maybe... Maybe that whole house is weird. Yeah, I'd say so. Did you ever have
5: a cat behave like that? Become terrified of you for no reason at all?
3: No, I I can't recall that happening. No, I mean maybe. Oh, there they go. Uh, no, maybe terrified all along, but not uh, suddenly changing dispositions right in the middle of something. No, I never. Not, I had not. Not uh, not that I can recall.
5: Well, I wish I wish you knew how I could get her confidence back and pet her and and just be she was a very affectionate cat and I really she, she wasn't
3: and she didn't mind if you lifted her up and patted her and she, no, she she used to sit on
5: my lap and purr
3: and 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 right now she won't go near you but she well, runs she goes away by from the you.
5: Dogs and she lets the dogs chew on her
3: i don't know maybe somebody maybe somebody knows something about that kind of behavior and will call I don't know you sound like you got about nine things going on at once there, Fred.
5: Well, I have your radio station on. I have my police scanner on.
3: <laughs> I got
5: the dog sparking once in a while.
3: You're a busy guy. Yeah. Phones ringing. Wow, you're at, right at the center of all kinds of activity. Well,
5: I'm going to have to get a tranquilizer dart gun, I think. And the next time I see her by the food dish, I'm going to hit her with it. Then I can capture her and put her back in my lap and pet her. And she'll understand that I'm not going to
3: hurt her. Other than that, she won't sit still long enough for you to actually pick her up. Then. I can't get within 10 feet of her. Oh, okay. Maybe somebody will. Somebody has some ideas as to why her behavior is changed radically. Maybe they'll call and tell us. I'd be curious but, myself. But
5: seriously, don't you think animals can lose their minds and go crazy
3: just oh, like sure. people can? Oh, sure, absolutely.
5: Because I've heard of crazy horses.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would guess so, sure.
5: And there's such a thing as mad dogs.
3: Mad dogs and, yeah, an Englishman. Yeah, we know they're all nuts. They're all nuts, yeah, no question about that. You know, and and uh, probably uh, even nutty mi- mice, probably that mouse may be crazy.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, the mouse, I suppose, comes by the, by the water dish and the food dish. You get something to eat and drink.
3: And the, and the cat doesn't bother her, so why not?
5: Well, she's a female, and I, of course I had her fixed because I do not I not want her to have kittens because nobody wants kittens, you
3: know. Oh no, you should have you should do you should have done that. I'm glad you did.
5: So maybe she she thinks this is one of her babies or something. It's a furry little thing. <laughs> I don't
3: I don't know, Fred.
5: Well, I don't know, but I hope I get this whole mess straightened out.
3: I hope you're doing, <laughs> you do it. Thank you, Norman. Let me know how it comes out. I will. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. These are the kind of heady things we discussed during the night. The wild changes in animals and all that kind of stuff. I'll be
0: back in a moment with some more heavy stuff, but first... Another great bunch of calls and Norm being just so darn welcoming to all. Are you like me, wishing we could have this relaxed, carefree talk back again? Unwind from the 24-hour news cycle and just chat with an old friend. Have some laughs and maybe play a game. Yeah, I thought so. Hearing these again still has that effect, so we're doing okay here. Don't forget to check out Patreon and help support the show. We'll be back next week with a 31-year-old dumb birthday game. (laughs) Ha! Those were the days. Closing the vault and leaving this world a little sillier than we found it. Four, technical difficulties, climbing transmitters, laugh-in, Bentley University, Working the night shift and sleeping during the day. Larry Glick, Emperor Hudson, Ron Landry, WITS, WMEX, WMRE, and WSSH. Lily St. Cyr, The Old Howard Theater, Double Entendres, Cats, Dogs, and Dracoons, Ice-Covered Windshields, Great Adventures, Vitality, Tedeschi's and Weymouth, Peals of Laughter, Mac Davis, Gypsy, Tip O'Neill. Fight Songs, Phoebe Snow, Jason Robards, Ritzy, Tiger, The Ghost of Elvis Presley, David Rudnoy, Daryl Gould, Lou Brasino, Jack Hart, Marilyn Gerelnick, and the almost good-looking Norm Nathan Person. I'm Tony Nesbitt.